1: Bitches, I don't know why. I, I just felt like calling you bitches. Uh, I mean it affectionately. A friend of mine and I were recently uh, talking about the fact that there isn't really um, the equivalent for men. Like, what do you call a man in a sort of slightly affectionate, somewhat sexy frame of mind? There's just nothing there. So if you have any suggestions for uh, the male equivalent of the friendly bitch, let me know. I'd love to hear it. I'm just back from Vancouver. Uh, This episode is with AJ Leon, who is the founder of Misfit, a company, an umbrella company that has Misfit Press and Misfit, I don't know, Misfit Agency, Misfit This, Misfit Design, Misfit, I don't know, all this Misfit stuff. And AJ is the ultimate misfit himself, as you'll hear. He is a fascinating, inspiring, flamboyantly AJ guy. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I just recorded it yesterday morning, and I thought this one, this deserves to go out fresh from the oven. So it's Monday, 1.20 p.m. where I am. I'm going to throw this up as soon as I finish yakking at you. So here's a strange thing that happened. I arrive at the Vancouver airport. I swear this is the truth. I'm I'm waiting in line with the passports and all that shit. And I smell maple syrup. I really smelled maple syrup. Now, for those of you who might be, you know, out in the world somewhere and don't know about Canada, it's famous for maple syrup. So it's a strange thing to smell when you're arriving in Canada, and, I, you know, olfactory hallucinations are not uncommon. In fact, they're the most common form of hallucination, I believe. But, uh, you know, it lasted, and I fucking smelled maple syrup. So I thought, well, that's kind of a funny thing. So when I got through uh, passport control, I just, you know, uh, threw in, on Twitter, I was like, I just arrived at Vancouver Airport, and I smelled maple syrup. Isn't that funny? And five minutes later, I saw that the airport authority of Vancouver airport had responded to my tweet by saying, yeah, we pump it in through the air vents, which then made me think there are one of two things happening here. Either they fucking pump in maple syrup smell through the air vents to freak out tourists like me, or probably more likely the social media people of the Vancouver airport are fucking funny and they're fucking with my head uh i think that's hilarious so i don't know which it is i don't know if there really is a smell of maple syrup being pumped into the air system of vancouver airport or if the social media people are just are funny uh and allowed to be funny so either way kudos to vancouver airport people twitter account um what else i'm on my way to mexico going down to mexico in a couple of days i'll be there for a week visiting some friends down there and uh just sort of chilling on the beach catching up on email so if you sent me an email that uh, requires reply and i haven't replied to it in a year well this maybe you'll get a reply next week but probably not um yeah so that's it i'll be in mexico and uh what else did I have to say to you? Oh, this is a good episode to announce something. I've been wanting to... Well, I've been debating, really, whether to either bo- even bother announcing it. But it feels like maybe it's a good thing to do. Um, the Between the Patreon money and the money that's coming in through the Amazon uh, affiliate links that that you good people are clicking on... Uh, I'm actually making a living wage on this podcast at the moment. I I haven't for the first four years or something. Um, It started from nothing and very slowly ramped up to the point now where I'm making between $3,500 and $4,500 a month probably before taxes and all that. That goes into a company and then, you know, whatever. Um, But that's, you know, I basically can live on that more or less So, uh, from now on, assuming that, you know, it doesn't take a huge spike and everybody leaves to go listen to other podcasts or whatever, from now on, I'll be giving at least 10% of that uh, to, to other people who need it more. So i've been doing it anyway, I do it anyway it 's just sort of something I naturally do and i'm not going i'm not going to prove it you know whatever, so maybe i'm pulling a Donald Trump on you here, like claiming i'm giving money to charities that i won 't really do, but i'm not uh I do it anyway, but I just thought you'd like to know that um the income from this podcast has reached a point now where there's enough to to skim off the top and start really passing it along. And you'll hear why this is a good episode to make that sort of announcement, because the company that AJ and his sort of intimate family, friend, family uh, group set up is all about. Um, the flow of money it's not about the accumulation it's about the flow of energy the flow of love the flow of gratitude and uh, and part of that is that they make money in one area and they just let it flow right through the company into other areas where they're uh, doing good shit in the world so uh, in my own very little way and humble way I'm trying to do the same thing and you're helping me so I hope it you know if it makes you feel better whatever you're sending to the podcast uh, a sizable chunk of that is moving along you know and I don't know it's it'll be you know a guy standing by the street in LA it'll be uh you know if organizations that need money I've been giving money to uh Mother Jones and to other independent sort of left leaning independent journalism enterprises recently because I think the world is more in need of that sort of thing than you know ever in recent history so uh, that's that's where some of that money's going okay anyway so I was in Vancouver and I recorded two podcasts up there this one with AJ uh, and another one with uh, Elena you'll hear that in the next few weeks she is a very interesting woman who's done research on uh, sex workers in India and also is very interested now, her her more recent research is on um, the sort of clinical use of hallucinogens, uh, particularly ayahuasca. So that's coming up soon uh, as another one of our Vancouver episodes. Um, but for now, this is AJ Leon. Uh, look up the company, Misfit Press. By the way, this is the company who... Are, are and I hate saying the word company because it isn't a company it's more like a like a hunter gatherer band really um they're the people who are putting together the tangentially reading book which is some excerpts from some of your and my favorite episodes of this podcast so that's coming soon people i think they're pretty much done with the transcripts and some of you actually have been doing those transcripts so we're trying to involve the the audience as much as possible and keep this whole thing as tribal as we can make it so that's that's who we're talking to in this one uh matt is the main guy who's sort of running the show there he wasn't in in vancouver when i was up there otherwise we'd have him on as well but we'll get to that down the road i think anyway uh i'm gonna play you out with a tune called distinto which is by my favorite cuban band uh orishas hope you enjoy it
2: Si la cosa suena como estás pensando, no veo pretextos para estar hablando. La banda ya llegó.
0: Ella, ella, ay, i front from the band. sí, sí. Bajo pasión y pongo todo mi, mi, en frecuencia. Yo hace rato busco esto pa' poner todo. Yo hace rato busco esto pa' poner mí. Es lo mío, es lo tuyo, pa' que te enteres de lo mío. Eh, Esto pa' te hacer es que yo ni te lo vendo, ni te lo beso, ni te lo regalo Orisa es lo que trae, es un nuevo flu, flu, te hace palo, palo Toma esto que te traigo, que esto es bueno Esto que traemos ritmo fresco, no con Así que bota de mi boca loca, tú esa nota Toda esa gente que en mi ritmo se sofoca
2: Cantar. Si las cosas que te pasan ya no tienen santo ni remedio, busca una rumba buena que te lleve hasta el altar. Alabada llegó acá con otra proposición. Dime pronto si es de que yo no. Dime si te conviene. Háblame sin dolor sarabo si no te van a meter en el saco de los que niegan distinto eso es de Cuba y respilo y que se pega distinto
0: Cuadrilla que se pica 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 con el flow de mi solar que está pegando esquina. No te me ofendas, Pipo, pero este sonido que orichasca mucho pone. Mira, hostia, oh, la piel de gallina. No había motivo pa' que te pongas berriado, guapiao, persona kiao. Si tú reclamas todo lo tuyo con orgullo, espero un momentico que este oricha no ha pasado. Hagas no ves no
3: No Bass no.
1: I'm in Vancouver, Canada with uh, A.J. Leon. What's A.J.?
4: Alberto Juan.
1: Alberto Juan Leon. Que onda Albertio. <laughs> Do you speak Spanish? Oh, si. Sí. Yeah. De comando. Okay.
4: It's better right than Primera idioma.
1: Ah, uh, la... Through the Materna. Yeah. So, what, but let's switch to English. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, I do Although have, that would be fun. It would be fun, and I've never done a, a full episode in Spanish. Um, I've got. I know. I've, I've met a few people listen to this who are in uh, Spain and Mexico. Shout out to our Hispanic listeners. <laughs> to the Latinos. <laughs> exactly. Latinos. <laughs> um, anyway. So, AJ, how did I meet you, you Matt? who's a mutual friend of ours who you work with, listens to the podcast. You guys were in Portland. Yeah. We oh, were, was that two years ago? Yeah, so two years something ago. Something like that? Yeah, we yeah. were just having
4: some, you know, the beers we were hanging out. Yeah. And he, he really wanted to meet because he loves the podcast. And well, it
1: was you know. one of those situations. I, I try to do this and thank God, you know, I do like a lot of people, you know, when they're coming through wherever they think I am, which often isn't where I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're like, Hey man, I'm in town, you know, let's get a beer or whatever. And, you know, I, I have friends who are famous, and they're surprised that I ever accept that. Right. You know, right? right. Um, but as you and I were talking about last night, and, and we should frame this like you and I were out last <laughs> night till til quite late, the yeah. <laughs> and then I went home, and you stayed yeah. out. So, did. yeah. So, uh... so, if I if
4: I mutter for the next hour, please forgive <laughs> exactly. me. As I Get over my hangover on
1: exactly. your podcast. Exactly. He's drinking a lot of water. <laughs> uh, and yeah. I'm not drinking this month, so so yeah. I've got this you know unfair advantage I here. Know, I'm like spry, all man. spry. Look you, at me, I'm spry. I'm
4: sitting there drinking.
1: This month. <laughs> <laughs> plus, plus I had um, I had uh, plenty of coffee before I showed up, so yeah, I'm wired. Anyway, uh, yeah, so yeah, Matt was like, "Hey, listen to the podcast. You know, I'm in town. Can we get a beer?" And then you were there, and yeah. so then one thing leads to another, and. I had so much fun with you guys and was so interested in your business model. Yeah. So, you know, it's a shitty phrase for what we're talking about, but we'll get into that. Um, And I had had this idea of like, I'm interviewing or or conversing with all these really interesting people on the podcast. They've got, there's all this content and so many people don't (laughs) know what the fuck a podcast is, much less listen to one. There should be another way to use this, to reach out to people, to share this stuff. And it occurred to me, like maybe you guys. So it turned into this whole yes, business thing, yes. and now we're going to publish tangentially reading yeah, together yeah. through your company, for
4: Mr. Press, Yeah, Ms. and Fitz that was Press. so fun because Matt has been a long-time listener. So for him, yeah. You know, and then I got introduced to, you, to your work after that. I mean, I was like, how the fuck don't I know about yeah. you know your work and everything? I fucking love it. Clearly, and then it's great. To do this project,
1: yeah. So, come on, famous people. You know, go out and have a fucking beer with your fans. (laughs) (laughs) It can lead to a lot of good shit. So, um,. Yeah, so, okay, we're, so last night, I mean, it's, it's a shame in a way that we had such a great time last night because yeah. a lot of what I want to talk about today, we, we just talked just about.
4: Talked, yeah. Well, this is like theatrics then. We'll just try to remember what the fuck we said. Yeah. You'll I mean, be better at it than I, I am because well, I like eight
1: Well, I eat. mean, also it doesn't, in another level, it doesn't matter because you've told your story so many times. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you've done presentations all over, you've done, you know, yeah. you're a, you're a media figure yourself, yeah, so it's. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're like porn stars just having sex <laughs> again, you <laughs> yeah, know, we can pretend it's the first time, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> Although with a hangover, I don't yeah, know how well, good you are at faking it. Are oh, you going to fake it. So, uh, you know, part of what I want to talk about is, is your business, Misfit. Misfit is an umbrella yes. company, and then you've got Misfit Press and what else?
4: Misfit Studios, Studios Studio Misfit, which is our agency, um, Misfit Foundation,
1: which is a branding, branding. Uh, online, it's all digital,
4: digital marketing, and then we build out. So we build web apps, websites, right, you know, stuff like,
1: that. and that's what generates the most chair. of your money. Yeah.
4: Yeah, that is what. Yeah, that's what creates the capacity, right. for the economic capacity, for us to be able to to change the world, we right. just redistribute the cash.
1: Right. So as we we were saying last night, essentially what you've set up is like this sort of Robin Hood enterprise. Definitely. You're taking from the rich and giving to the poor. Yes. It's a conduit. Yes. It's a money flows through the company. Definitely. So, but before we get into that too much, let's let's sort of cover how you who you are and how you got to be here so yeah. you're from the lower east side
4: yeah i'm from i mean i'm from, of I'm new, from york. new york I, I grew i grew up in a kind of odd way I, I grew up in probably i don't know 10 or 12 different houses all over uh
1: all over new york or all over
4: you know california florida oh really and, you know, okay um, right and new york for me is home so uh. lower east, that's the only place i've ever when you you know if i drive in a cab from the airport and i get below 14th street Baby, i'm You know everything. I'm home. You know, I'm home. You know that Cuban
1: restaurant on 14th Street? Uh, 14th and... Fuck, I can't remember what it's called. It's like 14th and maybe... Eighth, sixth, eighth, something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I forget what it's, it's on. The north yeah, side I know of what 14th yeah, Street. It's, it's fairly well known. Really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I love forget that the place. Name I go there, so every there every time I'm in Manhattan. I oh, go yeah, there.
4: Man. those are real Cubans. There's yeah, a lot of Cuban restaurants. Yeah, exactly. That are run by exactly. Mexican folks. Yeah, I know. But that's
1: been there a yeah, long time. Absolutely. Yeah, Guano. Like yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so so uh, yeah, Lower East Side. That's yeah. that's home. You know your way around. That's where you
4: definitely sort of grew up. So what what age did you arrive there? I mean, I arrived pretty late, you know, it was like late teens, you know, uh, okay. came back and, um, but because of kind of the, the upbringing, you know, I was kind of moved. I never felt home. I always felt displaced. Yeah. You know, my company, the name of my company is Misfit and right. in a way I always felt that way for right. a variety of different reasons. Right. Um, both your parents are Cuban? Both my parents are Cuban. So they left during the revolution. Uh, okay. um, and my dad had a particularly complex, he, I mean, he left after the revolution. He was a bit older at 13. Um, and he had a really complicated kind of relationship with, with his family and his, and he ended up getting into, he was actually one of the um, ringleaders in the kind of Cuban mafia in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up going to prison, you know, uh, getting caught by the, and if you look, I mean, I've met lawyers who know Leon versus United States Supreme Court because his, his, uh, his case changed Miranda rights laws.
1: It went to the Supreme Court. It went
4: all the way to the Supreme
1: Court. What was the, the charge?
4: Um, I mean, it was. Uh, I don't know how many kilos of. He was drug running. Ah. You know, so it was a, an entire operation. The DEA had been watching for a long time.
1: Importing they, into the U.S. Yeah. from Colombia.
4: From actually from uh, Baja California. So, ah, right. And a lot of it. Um, right. And. You know, that was, that was, and he was, you know, he was there. Fa- famously, my dad was, we were talking about some of my crazy you know, Cuban temper and, like, freaking out on guys in Cape Town that steal my phone. And, right, right. I mean, my dad was nuts. So he would, like, go out and, you know, shatter people's windshields if they looked at his sister wrong. And, you know, he was mm. kind of a, you know. And then, you know, after he ended up getting out of prison, which is kind of where, I you know, I met him. You know, my, some of the earliest memories that I have was me and, you know... Uh, Arizona uh, maximum security prison and my dad would like make piggy banks and stuff for us kids and we'd go and we'd visit him and my mom would get you know and um he ended up reforming when he got out and cut ties with um with those guys with the mafia which is something you don't do yeah that's not allowed but he didn't he never you know ratted he never um Wow. He never said anything, never let anybody, because they were trying to get the people higher sure. than him, although he was fairly high up the chain of command. Right. They, were, you know, they were always trying to get, and he didn't say a word. And luckily, because the case went the way it did, and the, the DEA didn't have the proper, he ended up getting out. Far earlier than he should have. Right. Yeah. Because um, if he doesn't rat, how the fucks he get out? Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it was because
4: th- they didn't have the proper, you know. Document. That's why I changed some, some of the, the. So they
1: didn't read him his rights properly, something or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. I never cause... got into the case in specific, and uh-huh. it wasn't something that we talked about a ton. You know, I mean, I was young. See, the thing was, like, you know, he reformed, and then he was, a, you know, a good man, um, hmm. and then tried to build his life back up, and then right at the peak of building his life up you know in the in the 80s there's a recession in california lost everything was two million dollars in debt went bankrupt we moved a bunch of times and
1: so he lived with your mom again
4: yeah yeah i mean she's a good woman she never she
1: she never she stuck with him through the whole thing holy shit.
4: yeah that's nuts and then he ended up passing away um just through it's crazy because the things that this man lived through i mean he was He was in um the army in germany uh was dishonorably discharged from the army because some guy stole his wallet and he stabbed him in the street and then he was in military prison in germany that was before the whole drug i mean just the things he survived and then he ended up uh passing away because he got a blood clot in his knee after he broke his leg and the doctor didn't prescribe him blood thinners which they should have done right so that's what I mean in terms of like the ebbs and flows of of a, a young life. Yeah. Um, that's up until my, the age of fourteen. My dad died when I was.
1: How old were you when he got out of
4: prison? Um. Five, like five or six. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know? So. Pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: he was a presence in your life.
4: He was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, for the years that he was there, he was, and he was a good. He was a good man. You know, a complicated history. You know. Yeah. I mean, he kind of like. Um, you know, for him, you know, his kind of uh, the world, he found God in prison and ended up becoming, you know, he's just a good man. Everybody loved my dad. You know, a bunch of people showed up at his funeral. I mean, for a guy who was like a fucking cocaine dealer, you know, and for many, many years in his life and nuts out of his fucking mind, the amount of people that showed up at his funeral and stuff. I mean, they, you know,
1: sounds pretty charismatic.
4: He's yeah. One way or another. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was definitely a, a charismatic yeah. man.
1: And, and what was his story leaving
4: Cuba? Um, so he, you said he was thirteen. Yeah. when the revolution happened, he was a bit. So they left about a year. Is you know the whole kind of history around the Cuban Revolution is interesting because Che and Castro, you know, they they took the grandma boat from Mexico City and then they went to the east and, and they were they in gathered, the mountains. Yeah, and they gathered their money, their their army on the way. They yeah. only had hundred guys. and yeah. they ended up taking over the government. Right, but a this lot this 61 59 but you're right 61 was the date
1: ah okay of the revolution it's yes. the, yeah. when they won when exactly. they took over Bat- Batista Batista right? yeah Yeah. who yeah. um, was a mind. motherfucker
4: yeah he was a piece of shit yeah. I mean, L- a,
1: like all the Central American you know oh. propped up by the Americans oh, taught definitely. how to torture how to throw people in prison you know, we're defending fucking democracy, but, you know, everyone around the world laughs at that. Absolutely. You know, the yeah. Americans are the only people yeah. who don't know the true story. Yeah. about. Well, that.
4: and you traveled around Central America. See, the yeah. thing about Central America is it doesn't have the sex appeal of Africa. So people actually right. know less about yeah. politics, history, the strife, the Trump, because it's just not it doesn't have that. NGO sex appeal, so you don't you don't right. see the strife. We don't, you know.
1: Well, and here. also because we're the ones who fucked over right, Latin exactly. America, we, yeah, So right. it's easy to talk about the tr- atrocious situation in Africa because that's the Brits and the French, absolutely, and the fucking Dutch and yeah, whatever, and the yeah. Belgians. And us you know.
4: it's you know, I mean, and it's funny because that was more overt. You know, yeah. but we we do it through economic hegemony. Right, just fucking awful.
1: United Fruit Company Absolutely. controls the country. Yeah, Definitely, yeah. Maybe. And the fucking see C- Guad- Well, you just got back from Guatemala. Yeah. I mean, that country. Oh man! Holy shit! Jacobo what's going R. on Benz, there? I mean, yeah. the,
4: that whole era of it's yeah. uh, Edward Bernays. The, I was by just by the
1: gonna. CIA. I was just gonna mention Bernays. Yeah, I didn't. Man. Yeah, Bernays was Freud's nephew. Yeah. And yeah. he wrote that and, book, and propaganda. And, and, yeah, you know, amazing.
4: Yeah. And it's an amazing piece of work. I mean, when you read it, you're just like, "How can you say those? I mean, how can you say that out loud?" But it's all true. Oh, definitely, it's, it's true. all true. But it's if a, anyone said yeah, it today, you yeah. would be. I mean, that is not acceptable. And yeah. it, absolutely, he laid it out.
1: For people who don't know what we're talking about, Edward Bernays is was Sigmund Freud's nephew, and he basically invented the art if you want to call it an art of modern advertising yep. and and thought control of the masses yes. he's the guy who coined the phrase uh, we're defending freedom abroad That's right. so we don't have to we're fighting over there so we don't have to fight over That's here right. yeah. uh, which was for world war 1 yeah. he was justifying world war 1 and he um he, he was behind the idea of putting fluoride in the water supply because he was hired by Alcoa who had all this fluoride yep. byproduct of all their aluminum manufacturing yep. and they were like what are we going to do with all this fucking yep. fluoride you know it's hard to dispose of, yeah. you know. And he's like, "Well, let's find a way to sell it." And he convinced Definitely. the governments that, like, this is good for Absolutely. people's teeth. Oh. Dump
4: it in the water. And, and American tobacco cigarettes are healthy. That's well, Bernays' handiwork. Well, right? he did
1: the whole. He he's the guy who linked feminism. With oh, tobacco, right. Right. in order to get women to smoke, because Sexy, it was yeah. uncool for women that's to right. smoke or taboo, yeah. and he was the guy he hired all these uh, suffragettes absolutely. to march down the Fifth Avenue in, in Manhattan yeah. smoking cigarettes, and he called what they call them like liberation sticks that's or right. freedom sticks that's or some right. shit like yeah. that. The and guy, the artwork, the evil genius. Artwork. Yeah, absolutely. oh yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Bacon and eggs. That's right. Yeah. For breakfast, yeah, he was hired by the pork, some pork company, and he came up with this no, was, idea yeah, of bacon the pork and eggs.
4: Conglomerate of all the pork companies. Oh, a conglomerate. Him. You're yeah. right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, in addition to polluting the body politic yeah. with all this commercial shit, he was also hired by the CIA, and one of his projects with them was to overthrow the democratically elected government of Guatemala in, right. the 50s, right? 1950s. in the
4: fifties, right? 1950s. I think it was 19, yeah, 1949 or something like yeah, that, yeah. yeah. And it was Jacobo Arbenz, and yeah. he had ended up... I mean, the, the story is... It just reads like a fucking novel because... He ended up, him and the CIA, he planted a story saying that Jacob Benz was a communist in the New York Times. One of his buddies planted the story. He right. absolutely wasn't a communist. He was yeah. on record saying FDR was one of his favorite leaders yeah. and, like, and a good man. But
1: clocked. he wanted to help poor people and wanted to <laughs> yeah, like you yeah, know, exactly. redistribute a little money to help the tribe. Yeah, it's yeah. it's, and it's crazy. Was, yeah. and, and
4: the big reason, what the, Jacob Benz was on record saying that the United Fruit Company was going to have to pay taxes. Right. That's what his deal was. Right. And all he was saying, he wasn't saying, we're going to take our plans back, we're going to nationalize everything. He's just right. like, you got, you got to pay taxes, yeah. come on, yeah. you know, because they own 85% of all private land, the ports, the railway yeah. system. Yeah. I mean, a company basically owned the government of fucking the, the entire yeah. country of Guatemala. Yeah. And that's all he was saying. And then, and then the, the, the you know, they, the, the CIA hires Edward Bernays. He plants a story in the New York Times. Which then, which, which then creates this entire episode. Actually, no, United Fruit, excuse me. They hired uh, uh, Bernays, mm. who ended up planning the story, which yeah. alerted the CIA, which, which was newly minted then. The CIA had only mm. been around for six years, and they were looking for communists. That was their entire mm. thing, and they right, knew right, that. Right. And then all of a sudden... They go, he, they hire a militia on the streets of New Orleans. They arm them. They sail them in the United Fruits boats to the, the you know, the shores yeah. of Guatemala. It's yeah. like 20 guys. But because they had all these new pa- newspaper men on them, they, they made it seem in the media that there was hundreds of people. Hmm. The entire population of Guatemala turned their attention because of this media. T- the, what do you know? You know what we hear and what we see. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, the final scene of this quixotic episode is fucking Jacob Arbenz in the presidential palace with the CIA had put up these sonar thing, uh, doing a terror broadcast, they call them, with the sounds of war. So he thought he was being encroached upon. They were. They were you're the, kidding me. No, they planted these all around downtown. So it sounded like so tanks coming yes. and shit. So you're getting this in the media. You're getting right. this. You're getting this on the radio because right. that radio was the big medium, right? So you're right. hearing bullets flying. Right. newspaperman was all fake. It was bullshit. Yeah. And then in the end, he's hunkered in his presidential palace because that's what the fuck you do. And you, they put this up the very next day. He rides his, his motorcade down to down to the airport and leaves the, the country of his birth mm. for the very last time. Mm. And that was all enacted because a company in the United States yeah. wanted to maintain its profit yeah. margins. Right. It's fucking insane. Right. Sorry, I don't know how we got it. No, but no
1: like- I mean, but the thing is, people <laughs> listening to this who aren't familiar with the true story of American, you know, foreign policy will think this is just this outlandish story. But the same thing happened in fucking Chile. Oh, Same thing, thing happened Honduras. in Iran, oh, Honduras. Yeah. Honduras. You know, it's Iowa. like, yeah, take your pick. And it's been happening all over the world, which is why... You know the world fucking hates America. They they love America culture, American culture, and American people, and all that. But what people who haven't traveled don't understand is, America is seen as an enemy by a lot of the world. Definitely, yeah. And but but what's cool is that they distinguish between the people and the government. Yeah. So they won't hate you because you're American. Especially if you are aware of this shit. Yes. I mean, exactly. My favorite compliment to get when I was traveling was always when someone, you know, we'd have these conversations and someone would say, "Ah, oh, okay, well, you're not a typical American." That's right. Like, yeah. oh, fucking thank you. I know. That's yeah. where
4: you kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. I don't know where your listeners land on this, and I don't want to be too political, you know, on your program, but. Um, Let it Trump, loose, buddy. Well, when Trump got elected, yeah. it's it's like the the stain of you know to travel with an American passport. Yeah, man, you everybody's like, what is what the fuck is going What's on? What's going on? Over you know, there. and they're just looking yeah. to see in your eyes yeah, yeah. whether you yeah. know that this is a. Little, but you know I, mean, what I mean, you're old
1: enough to. I mean, you've traveled under the Bush administration, totally. and there was the same thing. But like, the, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. But I would say yeah. this is at this a different is, scale because this is, you know yeah. George
4: W. Bush was never like. I'm saying I don't. You know, but uh, yeah, let's. Uh, oh, women, yeah, no, just grab them by the pussy because yeah, they like that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Say whatever the fuck you want about George W. Bush. Right. Politicians are all their own breed of you know fucked up. Because right. you, know, you got in order to get that power, I'm sure you got it. But this, yeah, that's ludicrous. Yeah,
1: this is nuts. And that, you but know, it's been coming for a long time. Yeah, I mean. Sorry, I'm adjusting my mic. Um, we're uh, we're talking about the '80s. I mean, now you're probably not old enough to have remembered this. At the, how old are you? You told me last 30, night. Thirty-four. I forget. 30. Thirty-four. So, you, yeah, you're not old enough, but, like, I remember the Reagan administration and yeah. the freedom fighters yeah. and all this shit in Central America, <laughs> right. which was the same thing. It was just total it's bullshit. Complete bullshit. It's total bullshit. Um, you know, and in Guatemala, like, you know, machine gun helicopters wiping out entire villages Absolutely. just for fucking nothing, defending yeah. this weird idea that, yeah. oh, because they want to, like, set up free medical clinics, they're communists. We've yeah. got to go kill everybody. Totally.
4: Yeah. And one thing is foreign policy, and the other side, which is, un- you can somewhat control foreign policy, but you cannot control the free free market economics. Yeah, you know, I mean, once yeah. that's what we were talking about last night. Right. Because there right. there is zero accountability. Yeah, in the end, you could put one politician, one somebody can take the. But in a cor- if the United Fruit Company wants to take down the government of Guatemala because they want to maintain their profit margins, who's the guy, right? I mean, yeah. it's just it's this entity that it the entity is the reason why corporations exist is to make profits for shareholders yeah they are uncontrolled like they' they're uncontrolled beasts they' they're organisms definitely yeah, yeah and you were mentioning that, that was a brilliant I mean I don't know if you want to get into that now but like that was a brilliant I had never thought about it quite that way as but a super organism yeah, yeah as a super organism yeah. where it's it's it is a living breathing thing it has its own rules and it has its own motives yeah it has motive, and it's going right. to get the motive in the end. Right. Is
1: that- and, and the thing is, its agenda is not in alignment with the human being's agenda. Exactly. So it's made of us, but it doesn't give a fuck about us, totally. just like we don't give a fuck about the bacteria in our guts. Like De- I, yes. I'm not going to eat things that the bacteria in my gut is you know, asking for. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, no, I'm just going to eat whatever the fuck I want. The only thing is, like, if I get sick enough, maybe I'll adjust my diet, and mm-hmm. I think that's what we need to do. We need to be like the bacteria in the gut of yeah. corporations, and rise up and you know, give it a case of irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, symptoms. I
4: mean, <laughs> I mean,
1: that's a beautiful visual.
4: Chris. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we
1: are the diarrhea I don't know. of the system. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I, think Che would have said that. I don't think so, sounds better know. in Spanish. Yeah, though, right? yeah. Well, everything does. But everything it's like the Bastards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Poetic fuck. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a great movie, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. You ever yeah. see, talking about great movies in Spanish, Y tu mamá también? No. Oh, that's a beautiful movie. It's the same guy who was in the Motorcycle Diaries that. Mexican, beautiful guy. I forget ben, his name.
4: Benicio Del Toro? No. Oh, oh the other guy. No, no, because the, there were two films. I know my, what you mean. Yeah, yeah, that that more. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're thinking of the Che Diaries. The two, yeah. So, yeah. 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 No, he was great in Traffic. He's, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. one of my favorite actors. Yeah. He's amazing. He is. Um, anyway, we're veering off into... into we are. God <laughs> yeah. damn. No, Y Tu Mama is this beautiful film... Uh, Directed by a uh, Mexican director, I- Inazaru or something like that. Okay. He's got a Basque yeah. name. It's about these two, two dudes, two young guys in Mexico who... Um, it's sort of a coming-of-age story. They seduce this woman who's a famous Spanish actress. I forget her name, too, but... Mm. Um, yeah, I, and I actually, now that I'm talking about it, I realize I can't really tell the story without ruining it yeah. for anyone who's <laughs> yeah, yeah, listening, yeah, yeah. so trust we me. Did that. Trust me. Just watch this film. It's <inaudible> so <inaudible> fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's a very yeah, okay. touching, beautiful, I'll tell you later. Anyway, so where the fuck were we? Your father and the revolution. Yeah. So he was
4: like 13? So when 13. Um, he ended up, a lot of the, you know, what happened there was after Castro... ...took over the government, he announced the communist nature of the revolution a year later. Mm. So there were people, famously, that were part of his inner circle that didn't know he was... A, ...didn't know that he this was a communist takeover.
1: Well, he was on the fucking Tonight Show. Right. Yeah. He, he <laughs> yeah, came to right. the U.S. Yeah. and he was really popular totally. and he's charismatic. Loved, and, that's it. Yeah, so... And people,
4: yeah, and he was all over. I mean, right. he, was, he was all over and getting in. So was Che, you yeah. know. Yeah. And then once that got out of the bag you know and and it's and it's an interesting thing because you you know on the one hand i the idea of socialism you know that's a beautiful idea you know yeah um i don't think it works in practice and and, and when in because people are greedy right and what ends up happening is a guy like my grandfather who's my age now living in Cuba worked his entire life he's, you know, he was a doctor he did this and he did all this stuff and built. And he's got his little land he's got you know, his little thing he's got his little life that he put right. together right. and one day yeah, this gone. cat comes out of nowhere that he went to my grandfather went to university with Fidel mm-hmm. so he knew Fidel personally <clears> oh really
0: mm-hmm. mm.
4: and, and interesting you know my grandfather as they were going through they went through Kamaewe uh, which is where my, um, my, my family's from And as they were going through towns, they would kind of gather up the leaders of the town, which my grandfather was one, you know. And in this one town that they lived in, they said, "Okay, can you let's let's you know?" Ched said, "Hey, let's get all together and debrief, or talk about this revolution. See if you guys want to join us." And you know, my grandfather and all these guys were like, "We're." attorneys and doctors like we're not fight we're not gonna fight you we don't like Batista either but we're not you know we're not gonna fight we're, what are we gonna shoot a gun you know yeah. you know yeah. and he was like okay no no it's cool you know let's just de- debrief tomorrow night at nine o'clock at this or seven o'clock at this space oh boy all of them go my grandfather stayed back these are his best friends these yeah. guys he grew up with they all go bullet to the back of the head every single one of them and that is you know that sort of <clears throat> and now from another perspective you know I I Read Jay, right? I mean, so like the ideas, the idea, but the fog of war makes good men bad. You know, Henry, Henry V can be a great, you know, a great bat and, and, and the battle badging court and everything else. But when there's 700 POWs and you've got 400 men left, you've got to slit their throats. And that's just the decision that, you know, war precipitates that, yeah. you know, so then it creates a scenario. It's like, yeah, of course, my grandfather. And then the next day, everything is taken from him. His land is not his. He's told that his, his little practice is now owned by the government. And by the way, he's getting paid $5 a month. Yeah. Um, you know. And he tells this, my grandfather, tells he's still alive. And he tells this wonderful story of him on his own porch watching these ants crawl up a, a column. And he realized that those ants have more freedom to move, to move and to, to live than he does. And he left, he, he left with nothing. And the very next day, he packed up everybody and then he took off, you know. And that's how a lot of those Cuban, you know. Did he catch a boat or how did he get out? Yeah, he got he got out on one of the last, uh, I forget what port he went into, but he had to sneak out. And you you couldn't go with anything. It's not like you could just walk out yeah. and like packed and like, you yeah. know, you just had to pretend like you're taking a trip. right? And the last vestiges of the Cubans got out that way. And, and you know, the way that it worked out, and this is why Cuba is so interesting today, is the people that left had something to lose. Yeah. You know, there are people that have something to gain from communism because in the lower end of socioeconomic right. story, they could get pulled up. Right. And then there's people that are. So then the top half, right, all the doctors, they are the ones who took off. Right. You know. And then, but with nothing, so they had to recreate their lives, yeah. which they did. But then, creating you know, all this tumultuous—yeah,
1: you know? a lot of anger and hatred. Oh my well, gosh! Well, yeah. my my wife grew up in Mozambique when she was 13, same age as your dad. The communists took over, who were supported by the Cubans.
4: Mm. Wow.
1: Yeah, and
4: uh, I didn't realize the Cubans had. Go- I knew that Angola. I didn't know Mozambique. Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, so she she spent like the previous two months in her house with the shutters closed listening to bombs and bullets flying by hoping nobody broke down the door they had a bunch of canned food that they lived on and she was reading uh asterisk and obelisk comics you know that was like got her through it and then the when they took over um uh the leader of the revolution went on the radio and said okay as of 24 hours from now everything belongs to the state if you want to leave you've got 24 hours and you can take 20 kilos it was the 2420 statement and her parents put her on an airplane with 20 kilos of i don't know what money and jewels i don't know what it was and she flew off alone to portugal alone yeah wow right and uh at thirteen. At thirteen, yeah. Jeez. And some, you know, distant relatives picked her up and who she'd never met, she'd never been to Portugal. Fuck man. Yeah, so you know, it's sort of the same scenario and they lost everything. They had businesses and taxis and shops and it was like yeah. nope. Gone. We're all we're all together now. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. So uh so then your so your grandfather's in Florida? Uh he's in California.
4: Oh, California. Okay, and your father grew up in California. He grew up in. He grew up in a few different places. I mean, it was Cuba. What did your
1: grandfather do then? Did he f- get his medical degree? recognized? He did, recognized? It again. He did it again. No shit. Yeah, he
4: went through school again. I mean that. What? He, he, this guy. It, my grandfather is ninety-two, I think, and parties harder than I. Do. I mean, the last time I hung out with him was like a year ago on his birth, ber- ber- ninetieth birthday. So he's ninety-one now. And, you know, him and I were, like, drinking till 2 o'clock in the morning. He travels all the time. He planned this huge, on his 89th birthday trip, planned this back, like, this trip across Sub-Saharan, Africa. What? I go there all the time. Are you fucking kidding me? Dude, this guy, he's, like, made of titanium steel. It's insane. That's, ins- that's you know?
1: incredible.
4: Yeah. So he really, he's one of those, you know, individuals that, in the end, he's going to get what he wants, you know? So I think that level of, you know, probably defiance that... I'm not going to I'm not going to let this destroy me. You know, cuz now actually yeah, they went from Cuba, they went to Spain cuz that's the only place he could make and then he went to the United States. So he kind of had oh. to re-engineer things for a while and that, he was, you know, he's my age now, man. You know, and I'm not yeah, I'm not I'm young, but I'm not a young man. I'm not like 20, right? right you have right. to de- like you got to work hard to Starting
1: recreate. over in your 30s, 40s, it gets late. harder every decade. Jeez, yeah. 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 So,
4: yeah, he's still kicking. But then wow. What was your grandmother like? Would... She was. She was. With, yeah. She's a strong lady too. Quiet, more reserved, but mm-hmm. she. Um, you know, I mean, same same thing. She was a pharmacist. Lost everything, got it back. She, you know, she, she.
1: And they stayed together.
4: They stayed together. Still together. Yeah. She's still alive too. She's still alive too. Holy and they, shit! And they still travel. I mean, he sends. You know, we send each other travel photos, and yeah, he's a he's a prolific uh, dude. And if you get him going about. I mean, he's very well read, very well, particularly in history, sure. in American history. If you get him going about the Cuban revolution, this guy, and he takes no prisoners because to him, this is a personal fight. He, yeah. he is one he of the there. Cubans yeah. that were, that have been waiting for Fidel to die and consider it a badge of honor that they outlived him. Yeah. Because that's, the, that's at least the one last fuck you to the guy that ruined their life in, in their mind, right? Yeah. Uh, he's one, he's one of those Cubans, you know, which I get. I mean, that, that, I don't, sure. I don't have that vitriol. Um, personally, but I'm generations removed from it, you Yeah. Know? but I'll tell you what, man, if somebody right now took everything that, you know, I have everything my wife has yeah. ruined our life, ruined the lives of our kids, made everything. And then my dad, you know, was an angry kid growing like, you know, everything, man, I don't know that I would ever be able to let that go. Somebody did that to me right now.
1: All right. Now I don't know narratively if this is going to work, but, but I see as you're telling this story, I see so much uh, reflection of this whole Cuban thing we're talking about, your grandfather's life. I see it reflected in your life. I see the defiance. There's a theme of defiance. You told me last night yeah. when you were in school, your guidance counselor told you, like, what? Like, forget about it. Just try not yeah. to go to jail or whatever. Like, you're not going to. Don't even try to get in an university. And, and, I mean, I want you to talk about this yeah. stuff, but I, I want to sort of plant a flag here. I see defiance. I see um, socialism. Yeah. You say it doesn't work, but you set up a company. You told me last night, everybody makes the same amount of money. Yeah. You have less money in the bank than your employees. Doesn't or, work, it doesn't work out there. It, it doesn't. Works, it's a scale issue, yeah, yes, right? Exactly. It works when we know each other. Exactly. When we're looking at a face of someone we love, then it works. That's it. When it's an abstraction, it doesn't work. Yes,
4: when it's a tribe, when it's when, yeah. yeah That's what I,
1: I always say. It's like, I think the impulse towards socialism is rooted in our evolution as a species we hate injustice we hate it it makes us sick and as i was saying to you last night it doesn't matter if you're rich you're on the top or you're on the bottom. Yep. It's a vertical system that's uncomfortable for us Forever. as a species. Absolutely. We're a horizontal species. Absolutely, We like to share yeah. shit. We yeah. don't like to see someone suffering. Absolutely. It hurts us. That's why dentists have a high suicide rate. Yeah. They're around people who are suffering all the time. Wow. It drives us crazy. Yeah. I have a buddy who's a tattoo artist. He says it's the same thing with tattoo artists. Wow. It, it makes you sick to be in, in, the, in a cloud of pain. Of,
4: you course. Know? of course. Yeah, but the only, the only way that it works at all is is in and the, the term tribes has been utilized by, I think, Seth Godin to talk about online followership. Right,
1: right. So then
4: there's an understanding of it that I don't identify with because I would say that's a, that's a crowd. I would say that's an uh, audience. Right. Whereas, it's sort of
1: a randomly gathered...
4: Well, it's not anthropological. I mean, if you look at, like, say, your work, you know, yeah. when you're talking about tribe, you're not just talking about 100,000 people that follow an idea or a figure. Right, You exactly. know, that's religion. Right. That's different. That's yeah. congregation. Yeah. But a tribe is like, we live together. Right. We love each other, right? Raise each adults. other's kids. That's it. Man.
1: Breastfeed one mm-hmm. another's babies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Take yeah. care of each other when totally. they're sick. Yeah, it's a, it's an intimacy. That's it. Yeah.
4: And if you, you, I mean, in my case, if you use free market capitalism to create an economic structure for you to change the world, but you relinquish the profits and the benefit of what that thing is supposed to give you, which as the founder, it's money. Right. You start a company to cash out, period. That's what it is. Right. right? Either to get a cash cow and you get checks in. That's the entire premise. But if you use that same system to to enact the change that you want to do in the world while sharing it amongst people that are with you, then it, you know, people look at Mr. And they're like, oh, what a great company. And it's like, it's not the right, quite the right term. Right. You know, because like, I mean, we use the principles of that. Yeah. But it is that tribe mentality. That's why I identify so much with what you talk about. Because to me... As the leader of this outfit, and you were talking about leadership last night in right. a really interesting way.
0: Yeah,
4: where the leader historically, and you were saying this is not my idea, but it right. was it was fantastic because it validated some of the things that I've done in my own life. Right, you're you're known in a hunter gatherer society. You're saying. That a leader is known for what he gives, not what he exactly. retains. Exactly. Exactly. So in Mike in it's my your case,
1: generosity yeah. that makes you the leader. Yeah. Not it, your wealth.
4: Yes. Which, is, yeah, exactly. But, but that's completely. I mean, think about that and say, in any leadership structure that we know, that is completely perpendicular to any right. system that we have. Right. That's so our systems, whether it's government whether its companies are at odds with our heritage our nature exactly you know what i mean yeah. so you it's like you almost you have to fight and this is this somebody whole somebody should write a book about this yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <Come> exactly <laughs> i'm waiting for it dude hey. mr Pre- hey we're in dude yeah, whatever you need everybody
1: else man yeah yeah but yeah. you know what i mean
4: and and I the do. way like because
1: I, I i was sorry but one other thing i wanted to just yeah. plan no, another yeah, please, flight please. so we got the defiance because i want to get back to these things and flush them yeah. out right the defiance the socialism and and uh, oh shit i knew i was going to forget it what was the other one? Oh, the 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 fear of loss hmm. you've designed your life in a way that what is most important you can't ever be taken away Right, So it's like, I mean, I don't know if I'm doing some pop bullshit psychology over no, here, but no. it's like I see you, like you've incorporated these lessons from your father and your grandfather, and yeah. you've built your life in a way that's impervious to a lot of the storms that have really tossed them around.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting a little emotional just here. I, I'm, um, it's beautiful. I've I mean, never heard, you, know, you know, I've never thought about it that way I've never had anybody describe that back to me I don't really talk to be honest I don't talk about my family much and I don't talk about so but you're that, so
1: much a, a product yeah. of, of that history yeah you know and also I, I mean I can see in you the, the charisma of your father and the fucking like balls to the wall kind of attitude of your grandfather and your father obviously yeah. Yeah, I mean there's you guys have a lot of life energy in your yeah. you got some good genetics there <gasps> Yeah, you, should, you ever like do any sperm donation? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, by the way, AJ's really good looking, too. I don't know. about uh,
4: Well, not today. So I, I, I look like a fucking train wreck after probably my 17-year-old Are you a
1: good dancer? You fuck? I mean, out. I'm Cuban. You Come grow on. up dancing salsa. Come That's on, like, man. man. You know,
4: you got it. Fuck this I'm, guy. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. <laughs> you good cook.
4: <laughs> well...
1: It's kind of yeah, hard. I mean, not, know, it's, a it's a human thing human again. Thing, yeah, you know, you yeah, up yeah. These things. Shit. All right. Uh, all right. So anyway, I just wanted to plant those flags because yeah, I see I've, these
4: man, these these themes running through your life. Well, right? P, P, like, and I mean it. I, I was when you started saying that. I, I, you clearly, I became very emotional because that I've just never, I've, ne, I've never put those things together. Although that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you talk, you know, defiance. It, is the most underrated characteristic, you know, and mm. relentlessness and defiance I would mm. say is, is are, are two of the ones that are just underrated. Right. And I pers- my entire life is just yeah, I mean
1: one although as you were saying last night, defiance can lead you astray. Because Definitely. you're defying you're defining yourself against <laughs> other people. Absolutely. So let's
4: talk about that. So yeah. so you're in New York So yeah, the whole thing, I mean basically I, you know, just talking about that aspect of my life. So so it was, there was a lot of ups and downs. And once my father passed away, you know, my mom, it was rushed. Which was
1: sudden. You, that, nobody oh, saw it coming. Nobody
4: saw it coming, man. And she, you know, she's a good woman, and she that really wrecked her. That was the, yeah. her dad had committed suicide. Oh, Jesus. Uh, you know, when yeah. she, just a few years earlier, her, her husband had gone to prison for the cocaine thing. They made, you know, then they started doing very well and getting everything good. Then they went bankrupt, and two years later, then they're building their life back up, and then, you know, he dies. So, naturally, she You're the was, only kid? No, no, three. Uh, three good, kids. You know, yeah. Sister. I mean, and all of us were... Fucked up by the entire sequence of sure. events, I think, in different ways. Um, for me, it led to, you know, <clears throat> I think the same kind of pandemic that uh, affected my dad, which was just anger. Right. You know, a bit of you know, and not healthy, defiant, you know, righteous indignation. You know, but just just pissed off at life right. and, um, and 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 so you know, I I lived a life where. You know, I I ended up getting really into you know uh, basketball. I mean, I was and I was I was kind of like uh you know I, I'd get in fights, I got kicked out. I was that guy, you know, um, with friends and you know still me, you know still the me that you know today, but mm-hmm. the me that you know today if I was willing to fight every guy in the fucking street and like right. you know become that and you know and then the basketball subculture and. So, anyways, you know, I wasn't. I didn't do very well in school. You mm. know, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't considered an academic. Uh, were you still moving around a lot? Uh, we were moving houses. You know, things were mm. still a little volatile. Yeah. And then, I had. Um, you know, when it got to time where I was going to, you know, graduate, I had a high school guidance counselor, Miss Mitchell, uh, tell me that a guy like me probably shouldn't consider, you know, thinking about going to university. I should probably become a mechanic and hands me a you know, pamphlet for a trade school. No, I, nothing against mechanics. I have friends that are mechanics, but like that's certainly not what you want to hear when you're 17, 18 and going on change the world, and or, or when you want to change your life and, and right. move on. Um, this woman, she ended up... In, in that moment, I was like, well, fuck you, Miss Mitchell. And
1: this is based on your grades or... Gra- everything. Behavioral issues. Behavioral issues, yeah. I mean, right. you know... Um, but did you have... Like IQ test, standardized shit like that. No, you never. They never gave you that. No. See, yeah. that's a shame because th- then they would have seen a different thing. Because I'm mm. sure your, you know, IQ's off the fucking charts. I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, because yeah. yeah. I was the same as you. I moved around a lot as a kid, and my <laughs> grades sucked because I was always the new kid, and right. I was always stressed out, and like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, you know, study. Who's got time to study? Yeah. yeah. So my grades were all over the place, but on standardized tests, I did really well, so there was always this, like, ah, oh, he's smart, he's just, yeah. you know, got a lot of shit to deal yeah. with, and so the teacher sort of yeah. took care of me.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I had the opposite, I mean, I did, t- t- you know, so many good teachers out there, and then there's... You I wasn't know, beating anyone up. Right, know. well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was more likely to get beat up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a
4: it's a different kind of thing. I was, yeah, I was always willing, you know, yeah. to a scrap, and, yeah. you know, that was just... But so so I, she tells you go to
1: trade school, and you're like, "Fuck you, Miss
4: Mitchell." I mean, yeah, you know, at that moment there was something that burned. It, it was just like, yeah, I mean, fuck you, Miss Mitchell, and actually, fuck all of you that have told me my entire life that I was going to be a fucking, you know, that I was going to be a fuck up, hmm. and that I was going to amount to nothing. What did your dad tell you? I mean, my dad was a good. He died for at that point. He was been dead for five years. Right. You know? But you
1: were fourteen when he died. Yeah. Was he treating you like you were a smart kid? Or yeah. Was that in his vocabulary? Definitely.
4: Yeah. Yeah. My dad. My dad. You know, is probably one of the reasons why I just never listen to anybody. You know what I mean? I didn't. Yeah. I mean, he never. You know, to him, I was like a million bucks. You know, like, okay. and, and you know. So you had that. I mean, I was a rough conditional love. Yeah, I mean, he was. He was a good man. He yeah, was a good man, and right. And the loss, as you know, in Hispanic families of the patriarch, yeah. is profound. Yeah, you know, I mean, because that's kind of the you know, and the matriarch, but the you know, you know that. Where are you in the sequence of siblings? I'm the I'm the middle child, but. My sister, who has now a new listener to the podcast as of a couple oh, weeks ago, right. she She like she would even admit that once my dad died, it kind of reoriented and I became I, even though. That's that what I was, I was going to say. say. So you're the old, you're definitely. the son, and you sort of take that yeah, role. In definitely. A, in and a my a sister like my little sister, and my brother right. was eight, and I took care of my yeah. little brother, and right. he was always with me. And um, but yeah. you know, so five years on, I'm. Mean, you know, Miss Mitchell says this. She's the 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 last in a grand number, I mean, take a ticket and get in line of the amount of people that told me that I was going to be a piece of shit and I was going to amount to nothing and I was a moron, tried to keep me out, you know, whatever. And this led me to like this really furious decision that not only was I going to get in university, but I was going to be a fucking success and I was going to bury these motherfuckers in it. And that was the moment where I was, I, I marched myself right to a Barnes and Nobles when those fucking things still existed. And I flipped, you know, I, I took a mm. you know, degree. I'm, I'm not, you know, I wasn't a studious kid, right? So I was just looking and I was looking for degrees in school. And all I was looking for was earning. When you're 18 years old, how do you, how do you win? How are you successful? Right. Money, Money. fame, right? Right. You're an undisciplined mind. What the fuck do I know about the world? All I know is these people telling me I'm going to be a fuck up. And if I have two yachts and a fucking mansion, I can come back and be like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm a yeah. fuck. You know, and that's what you think, which is right. ridiculous. But that is what you think. Right. So then I looked up and I'm like, oh, accounting, finance, you pair those two. Cool. Up and to the right. And all I'm looking at is, I mean, there are charts in these books of earning potential over time.
3: Right.
4: Went into school. I, I mean, I, I graduated with degrees in accounting and uh, finance yeah. and <laughs> philosophy. I graduated with a 4.0. And philosophy? Philosophy
1: Moore. wasn't in that fucking book. What? You're going to make a lot of money in philosophy? No, no, no. <laughs> well, it was philosophy theology because I was interested in it. Uh, you know, I had a lot okay. of professors. you just
4: add that in for yeah, fun. Well, right. that was like, I mean, that was a time for me in university because I wasn't a kid that grew up like you know, reading or yeah. having access, you know, I did right. the first time I was, I was, I went to a play, I was in it. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have, I got, I have friends who are like, right. grew up going to the ballet and that's right. lovely, man. Right. I didn't have any of that shit. Yeah. I had a basketball in my hand and fucking two fists up ready for the next, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And, and that, so, that's so cool. for me to get into university, it was, it was a fuck you to everybody. I yeah. was going to prove that I was smart. Yeah. I was going to prove that, that, that I was going to be a success in life. And and I remember, man. After every semester, I would send a letter to Miss Mitchell, at, unmarked, with just my grade report. And I told myself, <laughs> I mean, that's the level. So that's you know, that's great. the fuck you. It's the same thing that that's that great. you know, my grandfather probably would have sent to Fidel. Like, yeah, hey, I'm just yeah. fine. That's yeah, right. You know what <laughs> I mean? Right. And I did it, man. I I'm did it. I'm gonna go to your funeral, Miss Mitchell. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, you know, and I. And I did that every, every semester and it was, it was my, fuck you, she, be, she became the personification of everybody in my right. life that had said that, you right. know? And there I was, you know, I'm in university, I graduated with uh, summa cum laude, number one in my uh, class, 4.0, and I mean, I never, I was driven. Yeah. And then from that point on, as I'm graduating, finance and accounting, what do you do? You know, at this point, I'm going to win. And now I'm at the top of the heap. I went, from, I was at the bottom. Now I'm at the top. So then how can I win? Still stupid, still young. Right. How do I do it? Okay, I'm going to go get a job at the biggest firm that I can get to, offering the largest signing bonus. I don't give a fuck who would I be working for, what I would be doing. Right. All I cared about was the zeros at the end of that. Bottom line. Bonus. That's yeah. it, man. Yeah. And, I, and a lot of kids do that in sure. that track. Sure. And then I did it. And then I went from, you know, I worked at and which is the big, you know, big name. From there you can go anywhere else. And just a bunch of vertical leaps. and. And ended up um, in New York City working in finance um, it, during 2004, you know, 2003, 2000, um, 2008. Uh, and I was making an obscene amount of money. I had a corner office overlooking Manhattan. Uh, I was doing everything. You was, made it. I did it, right? I mean, I did it. Yeah. And the only problem with that whole narrative is that I was a fucking fraud and I knew it. In what sense were you a fraud? Everything, in, when, when the impetus of your entire, uh, deci- like you, in, you, the entire narrative of your life is polluted, every, it's like we talked about last night, every decision after that is polluted. Right. That wasn't me. I was basically, the thing that was hilarious about, I mean, the, the, the irony of all ironies is that I was letting Miss Mitchell beat me by trying to make my life about proving her and everybody else wrong. Yeah. At no point stopping to think, who am I? They're like, what do I want? There was no me in the equation. Right. This is theater at the grandest scale. Yeah. You know? And yeah. and when you realize that not only you're a fucking fraud, but you're trading the hours of your one and only life away for more money at every turn, and you fucking know it. You won't say it, but you know it. Mm. You are the fraud of all frauds. There's nothing that is going to drive you into deep and profound depression other than that. And And that I was... I was enveloped in sadness. It, during the day, cutthroat, do my thing. Mm. You know, I wasn't hurting anybody. I wasn't one of those guys, but like, you know, got it, win, whatever you got to do to get the bonus and blah, blah, blah. I was that guy, the franchise and the company. Yeah. At, but at night, you can ask Melissa. I was crying.
1: Melissa's your wife. Melissa's my
4: wife, yeah. And, who, knew, and who knew you since you were a kid. Since I was a kid. Yeah. And she, she saw this happen. She's young too, right? She didn't right. know what the fuck to do about it. Right. And what do you do? I'm I'm doing well. Yeah. That's the problem with this. Yeah. Because everybody you talk to is like, yeah, but I mean, if I were to talk to anybody, which I which I wouldn't, you know what the response is gonna be. Yeah, but what are you talking about, man? You've got a corner, you've got money, you yeah. get your mid twenties, right. then like you're doing it. Right. And they're gonna wonder, Well, why aren't you happy? Yeah. Because nobody fucking questions like why but what game am I playing? What game am I winning? Yeah. Am I winning Monopoly? Because I don't give a fuck about Monopoly, right? So, yeah. like, if I'm winning a game I fucking hate, then who the fuck cares? And that's what nobody nobody stops to think about that. Yeah. And I never did either until this one day, and it was the last day of uh, 2007, December 31st. It was four days before me and Melissa got married, pulled into my boss's office. And I knew that this kind of promotion was probably coming. And he basically said, you know, look, you're you're getting this promotion. And here you go. And... At that point, I'm minted, Yeah. you know? I mean, with this promotion, I'm third in the company, basically, you know? And I'm like, and I've been looked at as a franchise because, like, you know, it was good at my job, and it was charisma, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I get this, and it should be that moment where you're looking back at Miss Mitchell through the pangs of your own history right. and saying, you know, I fucking did it, Yeah. you know? But when you climb this precipitous, you know, this, this precipitous mountain, like this yeah. peak, and then you get to the top of it, and then you realize that the whole fucking thing was horseshit. Yeah. And that you climb somebody else's fucking mountain and you're yeah. sitting here on how you don't even like the view. Right. And you wasted your whole life doing that and you're young and how do you restart? How do you go from, it's easy to go from from one failure to a success or from one failure to another fa- fa- failure and keep trying. It's very hard to go from a success, where do you go then? Right, exactly. You know what I mean?
1: It's all down from It's here. all down. Yeah. It's all down. But yeah. then
4: you're like, shit, but this is life though. Yeah. So if I'm not happy... And I'm not me when I'm living life at exactly where everybody would envy me. Then where the fuck am I supposed to go? Right. And I walk out of his office, man. And I walked into my own. I remember like yesterday and I closed the door and I just started fucking weeping, bawling. Because I realized they fucking got me.
1: Wasn't there something about your honeymoon? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What, what was? The,
4: you, oh yeah, I mean, that, oh to... yeah, yeah, I wrote, yeah. That, that was that was another aspect. So so, and that wasn't uh, you know that was one of, that was like the last inch, right? But in this little thing, one of the things in this conversation was about the promotion, blah blah blah, and that was depressing. And then also. That you know the honeymoon. I know you guys are gonna go because I had planned this whole. I was rich at the time, right. right? I blew all my money on the fucking honeymoon and a stupid ring and all these things that you like think like, what, what right. was I doing? Right. But we, you know, was taking it after and all this fucking cool shit and lodges and uh, and one of the things that the that the boss said was like, well, you're gonna have to curtail that a bit and and I just because we, we need you do here because we need you here and deal or yeah, yeah. Like you're important yeah. to the company right now, right. And, you know. And then I just was like. You know that was even more depressing, because in that you're like, okay, here's this deal i sign I'm gonna sign this deal right you don't yeah. you don't not take a promotion
1: right, right? I right. mean
4: that's the thing about the, the way these things work when you're up into the right success is one way stream right yeah. so you just you, you're not gonna not fucking take it yeah. so i got I'm gonna sign this deal and then i'm gonna swallow the fact that i'm gonna cut my honeymoon short basically by by basically not have a honeymoon have a weekend right this whole thing that I planned and all that because this guy is telling me that I'm important to a company to make him more money. Yeah. And I'm making rich, fat, white dudes in New York money. Right? Not virtuous. It's not like, oh, and then we're going to go. We're going to go to. Yeah, build a know, school. S- and, totally, yeah, right? This yeah. is like the least virtue. This is the vacancy, the devo- like the void of virtue. Right. And, that's what I'm, and then I'm sitting there at the top of this whole thing like weeping because I realize I'm going to swallow this. I've been swallowing this the whole time. I'm a chump. I'm a fucking chump. I'm a fucking fraud, man. Yeah. I'm a liar. I'm the yeah. worst type of person. I'm a per- it's corporate prostitution. <laughs> you sit there and you know that you're trading you're trading your life for money. And you fucking know it in yeah. your bones. Were you using coke at the time? Nah. No.
1: No. Cuz that that's classic coke situation. Definitely, yeah.
4: I always stayed with, because my dad was like deep into yeah. not only dealing but you know, so like thank God because I you know, I don't know what would have happened to me if I was. It at makes that it, time.
1: it makes it tolerable. Wow. I've always felt like cocaine is one of those drugs that really appeals to either a certain kind of personality and or a certain life situation where you're doing something that's highly paid, but... Totally devoid of value. Yeah. yeah. If you do Coke, it makes it seem fun.
4: Yeah. You That's know? interesting, man. I have so many of my friends in advertising in London that, <laughs> that have the That's same, it. and now they're just, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's like you got the money, you do the Coke, it seems like everything's great. And it also, the personality type that I think Coke is really dangerous for are people who feel. An absence of self-worth mm. because it makes you feel like you're really charismatic and funny. And, you know, you got all this interesting stuff oh, to man. say. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then when it wears off, you look at yourself and it's like, you know, not only up, am I a yeah. loser, but I was talking like I'm so cool last night, which makes me feel like even more of a loser. Mm, yeah, I mean, and you yeah. get into that spiral. Cyclical, and, yeah. You know, yeah. 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 Okay. so wow so that's a fuck of a moment so yeah that was there's another theme running through your family reinvention yeah. revolution and reinven- reinvention you know <laughs> holy shit wow. so you're 27 you're, you're you
4: have this crisis and then what what do you do, do you- I, I I sat there and I wept like you know cause what do you do when you realize that like your life's, you know you're done and Basically, you like the scripted. And you hate the script. Right. You know what I mean? But it's done. Like, it's over. You know, I'm going to be these You're guys. In. There's You're no in. You're way- in too deep. I'm in too deep. I'm not walking. I can't change You know, what are you going to do, man? You know, what are you... How are you going to get out of the mafia, AJ? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's an interesting... Dude, yeah. It, like, I can't wait to play this back for my family. Because, like, I've never had anybody say that, but there are yeah. so many parallels. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, there was this one really... Um, vicious kind of moment where, at the you know, as I'm, as I'm crying, I just had this vision of myself. I don't know if this is ever happening, but I had a vision of myself as an older man, like as a 75 year old man, mm. looking back at me then. Mourning the glory of a life that could have been. Mm. And I had, it's, you know, everybody that there's some life that you're living that you don't want, to, all those people, maybe some people listen to this podcast, and you're embroiled in that world, you, everybody has it. We're humans. You dream of a better place. You know, I had always dreamt of being an adventurer, of traveling, changing the world. Oh, all, all of it, all of my fucking moleskin that wasn't going to see the light of fucking day. Mm. You know? void pages
1: so you envisioned another kind of life it oh. wasn't that you had a paucity of, of possibility it's just that you were getting bought off definitely yeah yeah oh yeah it yeah. was it was
4: a total it was it was it was a yeah it was a racket I mean I, I was I had but everybody does right there there's nobody some people love that life and that's what they're about right I didn't yeah but I don't think most people do. I think most yeah. people all the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely fucking players, right yeah. We're all putting on a fucking costume of some type, and in that's like that stage, yeah. a lot of people are putting that shit on, yeah, but inside there's still them you know they have dreams they have ideas you know yeah. and i had I had this whole vision of a life that could be and i and I look and I had that moment where I'm looking back at that old man looking at me now, just shaking his head like, boy, you just burned, your- you blew it, kid, and this is it. Yeah, And that was the first time I saw, I've been really close to mortality. My grandfather had committed suicide. My dad died when I was, you know, a lot of stuff, right? Had a lot of death early on in my life. That was the first moment in my entire life up until that point that it really struck me that this life is mine. Right. And that it is my one and only. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that wasn't, it. Not, for me, and we talked about it last night, I am not, and I wish I was more like hippie and well-read and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm not that. I'm just some fucking cat from New York trying to do the best that he can in the world. And I'm pretty grisly. And, you know, you, if you guys saw me right now, I'm like, I'm hungover, but 17 old fashions. I'm not that guy. I'm not poetic. You know, I'm not that guy. But. <laughs> So like for me to say that,
1: yeah, you are, but it's beautiful that you don't know it. That's what's beautiful about it. (laughs) (laughs) Persist in your ignorance. (laughs) It's charming. Well, you know, it's just,
4: to me, it's not esoteric hippie bullshit. And when that, when this, when the pragmatism and the practicality of that statement bakes itself into the chambers of your fucking heart and you live with that reality, then decisions become very easy. And then I just realized, after that thought, another thought came in. You always have a fucking choice. Hmm. You know, people think we don't have to, well, you always have choices. You always have more choices than you think you have. Yeah. I'm like, I could walk out right now. Yeah. They can't fucking do it. I mean, I would burn, I'd basically take my degrees and, and light them on fire and piss on them. Like you know? everything
1: you've worked the last everything. 10 years for is everything.
4: gone. Done, yeah. done. But if I fucking hate it, yeah. right? And that's not me anyway. Then what the fuck? I, I, this is my this is my life. Right. Some motherfuckers don't own me. Right. This system. I inherited these thoughts. I can kick them out tomorrow and be like, no. But AJ, maybe I live on the street. Yeah. Maybe I live under the Brooklyn Bridge. Right. But at least I'm fucking free. Right. You know, and that's so I walked I just I immediately after I had that thought immediately and this immediately. was I it, There was you can't pause you can't pause No, the yeah. momentum of those moments It's it's that, you know, it's the brief moment of audacity and right. I'm smart enough to know like this this thing tomorrow morning Tomorrow morning if I wake up and I come into this office and I get a signing bonus and he talks me into staying I'm done if I wait an hour, mm. I will talk myself out of this, right? Right. I mean, that's what's going to happen because everything that start thinking about how are you going to pay the rent? How how are you you going to do do this? this, The whole thing. And I'm getting married in four days and all the practical, even though me and I don't listen to anybody, I don't have anybody, you know, but like I will talk myself out of it. Right. So I immediately grab the box, put my shit in the box walked past my boss's office, gave him the tail end of, of a fucking Shakespearean soliloquy about the fucking system and blah, blah, blah. Seriously? And he called a security guard to get to take me out because I was freaking out. I mean, he thought I went crazy. Everybody's like, what the fuck happened to this guy? You know what I mean? Goddamn Cubans. They were like, <laughs> it's like what you the You can f-?
1: take the Cuban
4: out of Cuba. Yeah, but you, you can't can take, you take the, the boy out, out of Vietnam, but... <laughs> And and that That's was so it, man. And, and he seriously, he, he had somebody come walk me out. It was a really New York moment. Seriously, he, oh, totally. Because it was like so you
1: actually gave him a soliloquy. Oh, definitely. Because we
4: haven't mentioned no, no, your, not your Shakespeare. No, no, no Shakespeare. Not, not actual Shakespeare. Oh, but, but just, it was about the system, like how oh, all yeah. this is bullshit, and I like this whole fucking operation is bullshit. You guys are you pushing paper money around? I'm not gonna be a part of this anymore. I can't believe I did this from the So
1: beginning. you made sure there was no coming back.
4: I had to, yeah, because in my yeah, mind, yeah. I'm like, I got to burn down all these bridges. Because if I don't, You'll come back. I'll come back to my honeymoon penniless, yeah. and I'm going to go back like a fucking dog back to its shit. So I knew, oh, you know man. what I mean? It's like that moment where you know you got to blow up this fucking shit. Like, yeah. you got to blow the whole thing down, because yeah, if yeah. not, you're going to go back to it. Yeah, I always yeah, did in the past. Yeah. I always had ideas of grandeur of doing, and then just right at the left, and then you don't, yeah, and, then, uh, and then you yeah. don't. I'd even quit jobs where I tried to go, and then you don't, yeah. you know? So... By the
1: way, I just want to note for the record that the guy who says I'm not poetic is also the guy who 10 seconds later said when the reality, the practical reality of that insight burns itself into the chambers of your heart. <laughs> You're not poetic, huh? Well, I don't know, man.
4: <laughs> you know?
1: All right. All right. <laughs> I just want to note that moment. That was a beautiful moment oh, there. I appreciate that. Uh
4: I so, do I do with people like Matthew Owen who we met together uh, who's like a PhD in literature and like he's always you know, sending me Dostoevsky and all this shit. And I'm like, dude, I didn't grow up with it. You know, yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. I love it. But i you not. know,
1: Dostoevsky didn't go to Harvard either. So, right, right, you know, yeah, fuck yeah, it. That, yeah. that's the beauty of it. I yeah, mean the, yeah. the stuff that I read in college that I I really loved was the trans-American transcendentalists, right. you know, like Melville Emerson, and yeah. Emerson and Thoreau and yeah. I mean Emerson was very well, yeah. you know, he's a scholar but you know Melville was a fucking, you know, guy in a boat. I mean, you know, he was fucking stranded in the yeah. South Pacific and yeah. you know, it was all about being out there in the world, yes. you know.
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's beautiful, man. That that's that's incredible. And and so you you freaked out, you gave your boss a bunch of shit. You that's got it. you got escorted from the premises with my
4: box happy in tow and I and I you know, I I took the the, the whatever it was, you know, 28 stories down, hit the street, and it was the first time in my adult life where I breathed a a, a breath of free air. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a really profound moment when yeah. you're like, "Wait, I, I'm free." Yeah. You know? And from that moment on, I made a decision that I was going to live my life on, if I was going to be flamboyantly me, I was going to live my own life, and every decision I made from then on would be deliberate and intentional. And if I mm. made a decision, if I made a direction, it was going to be because I wanted it.
0: Mm.
4: You know, I had to figure out who the fuck AJ was, because AJ had been like, you know, like razor down to the, the, the last filament of whatever was me, mm. that was it, you know. And in that moment, I had to figure that out, and that's what kind of led me to this path of, that I'm on now, where I, you know, I developed misfit. But I didn't. A lot of my friends, they leave a the company to to start a company. I, I wasn't leaving to start a new company. I wasn't leaving to do anything. Just leaving to leave so, to evacuate this yeah. life plan going horribly fucking wrong. Right, I mean, the thing was burning, and I was, you know, and I was the one putting the last fucking.
1: So you go home. I imagine. Melissa comes home from work, whatever you're there waiting for I'm, I mean I'm seeing a fucking movie here, right yeah
4: it was it was, not, it was very it, it, talking back about it when you live like and you know like the story you were talking about Guatemala where you almost died and all uh, that like yeah. There's sometimes when you talk about life and it's just cinematic, yeah. But it actually is your life. Sure, like it actually. Well, life happens.
1: is cinematic. That's why cinema is so affecting. Right. You know, like, <laughs> if you're living an interesting life, it looks like a fucking movie. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, mm-hmm.
4: and you have these moments of like talking about it now. It feels like you know. But yeah, I I immediately I had one call to make, you know, one call, and that call was to Melissa. We're getting married in four <laughs> days. And I told her what had happened. And this is not a plan, right? This is not like, oh, I, I've been planning this for a while and saved away money, man. You spend more than you earn in those days. So yeah. I, I didn't have any money. You yeah. know, because why? Why would Cause you? Because you're
1: assuming income in 50, the future. 50000 yeah. you know, come yeah. on, man.
4: Like, I'm in yeah. New York and finance. I'm young. You're just burning money on anything to make you happy. Right. You know, five-star deal, whatever. Whatever right. the next drink, the next, whatever. Right.
1: Which is why saving is so hard when your job sucks. Yeah. Because you're spending all the money to cover up the fact that you're wasting your fucking life. Absolutely. Yeah.
4: Absolutely. You're trying to satiate that, that fucking emptiness, you know. Yeah.
1: Um, there's, a, there's a quote. I've, I've, I've said this before on the podcast, but I can't say it enough. There, there's this interview I read with a football coach years ago. And the interviewer said to him, so what's the secret to being a great coach? And he said... Well, you've got to be smart enough to really understand the game, but not smart enough to understand how little it all matters. Wow. That's fucking, yeah. Isn't that great, man? I think about that so much. Like whatever, like the guys who make it on Wall Street who are good, they're smart enough to do that shit with the numbers, but they're not smart enough to sit back and say, what the fuck am I doing here? None of this fucking matters. Yeah. 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 Or, or it matters in a bad way. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a specialist in, like, stealing people's savings. Yeah. That's what I do for a living. Yeah. You and know? you know what? You Trick know, poor people out of whatever scraps they've got. And you
4: want to know something that I find, you know, like, not as bad as that, you know, in terms of ethically, because that's bad. But a lot of guys in finance are not doing that. But they also don't provide any value. There's it's nothing. They're yeah. just pushing paper money around. Even yeah. if you're not harming people. Right. Your entire life... Is is an exercise in in vacancy, in yeah. vapid, you know, like right. you, the Sisyphean uh, myth, right? Yeah. This this is Sisyphus to like. The, the, the personified right? right you're just rolling that goddamn rock up, up a hill and the moment that you think you got something yeah. it comes back down right, right? this is all a waste. this is clearly a waste right I mean there might be not a, a sol- solitary thing after this world fucking you know after I die and there's no you know there's no afterlife there's no reincarnation nothing right. Right. but there's still virtue in making people happy right there's still virtue in loving people and trying to change whatever th- into, with- even making yourself happy totally there's yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely and to do something that is of meaning even if that, even if, um, it, like, you know, and it is like Albert Campbell, you know, like even if the thing ends and it's over, but there's still virtue in live. But if you're living a life where work does matter. And it's not just in the united states it 's like your work that's what you do right yeah. because you write, you write books yeah. and they're you know they make people think differently, and that changes the, the the fabric that that changes the threads of reality. The world is different because you think and then you discipline yourself to write a fucking book mm. but there's plenty of people out there that could be doing things like that, but instead they're they're not even doing evil things they're just doing nothing at all,
1: yeah, yeah you it's know? funny when you mentioned Sisyphus, it occurred to me that one of the Punishments. One of the ways we punish criminals, particularly in the South, you know, there's this cliche, you have them go out and break rocks. Or, yeah. You know? Yeah, force them to do something that's difficult Comple- and meaningless. And completely meaningless. Because yeah. that'll break their fucking spirit. That's it. That'll fuck them over. Yeah. And yet, that's what a lot of successful people are doing. That's what we do, like. <laughs> the essentially, essentially, they're breaking rocks. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. And it's
4: theater. You know, we convince ourselves that this, this is life or that, the, you know, but. You know, so that... that <clears throat> All right,
1: so now you've got this
4: wedding coming. Yeah, I, call, I mean, I mean... So is your family
1: coming for this wedding? Is yeah. this like a big yeah, to-do? Yeah, you know, it's a
4: Cuban, you know. Yeah, so like, okay. like, you know, there's <laughs> dancing, there's salsa, you know, like, you know. There's a, there's a All right, so, so
1: what's Melissa say? So you tell she, Melissa I quit my job. Yeah. Honey, I mean, sit
4: down. Yeah. <laughs> i got to talk to you. And, you know, I love the the, the context there is and Melissa and I have known each other since we were 15, 16 yeah. years old. Yeah. yeah. And, we've been, and we've always been together. Right. We did theater together. She wasn't
1: together. with you for the money, that's for she sure. She definitely was. Yeah you
4: know yeah. and she is as loving and loyal a companion as comes on I mean the the, the spirit doesn't make stronger stuff than what that girl is made of mm-hmm. you know and she's always been that way so she saw me go through this and was just comforting you know there's nothing she could do she was young right so mm-hmm. but but I'm crying at night and like, and the whole, it was weird for her. I mean, mm. it was to see like,
1: Cause while you had the job while I had the, so you yeah. knew you were unhappy. Oh, definitely. Yeah.
4: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was just a facade during the day and right. it was like, you know, I was con- panic attacks, man. Like, right. you know, things yeah. where it's just like, I, what am I doing? Like, I can't believe that I'm doing this. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're acting every fucking day of your life. Not yeah. with them, with you, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then I, you know, I told her, I told her what had happened and what, I, and, and I, what she said, and this is almost probably verbatim is AJ, I would rather live with the Brook with the real you under the Brooklyn bridge than an impersonation of you anywhere else. I'm just glad I have you back. Mm. And that moment was like, all right, well, this is, you know, and I always knew that because we'd been together at that point. We'd been together for 10 years. Yeah. You know, I've mean, yeah. been together almost 20 now, but yeah. that was a moment where this girl, we have a refrain, Melissa and I, and. And it's the last cheers of the night, whenever where you are, wherever we are in the world. And the ref- the, 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 the 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 refrain is till the bitter fucking end, mm. you know. And yeah. and so she she come hell or high water, no matter what. That girl knew that 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 moment was true, yeah. you know. Yeah, that wasn't a practical moment or a pragmatic moment, but whatever. Sinews in the universe brought that shit together that was true mm. and she could hear the harmony of that yeah. and she was gonna like be with me until yeah. and figure it out right, and there's a lot of practicalities after that because then you got to like what do you do for right. money and how right. do you live and um, but for me like in order to even get to those practicalities that a lot of people are smarter than I was or whatever and they can figure it out early on and then they make a really smooth transition from one thing to another But for me, I was driving 160 miles an hour, you know, proving everybody wrong, living, creating this amazing narrative of a life that was just not mine. Yeah. You know, and Mm -hmm. then I, so it was across, it was like, you know, I got to jump and that was, you know, everything changed. I'd never spoken to anybody prior to that age. I don't speak to like all friends, everything, you know few family members and that's it. And like, yeah. I've never spoken from that day. I disappeared. I deleted my email. I deleted everything. I was like, this is, and this is be before the age of Facebook. So you could do such things. But right. I was like, I'm starting from scratch. This is my fucking Mulligan. And I'm not going to fuck this one up. Right. You know,
1: and you and know about American Indian, a lot of American Indian tribes, basically all of them have, uh, when children are born, they're given a name, mm. but it's a provisional name. And then when a boy becomes a man or a girl becomes a woman, they have a a ceremony where often what they'll do is they'll be sent off alone Hmm. into the the forest or the mountains or whatever. Sometimes mushrooms are involved, uh, hallucinogens or fasting or different sort of ritualistic stuff. And they have visions, but they'll spend three, four or five days alone. Wow, uh, which is a heavy thing to do for a 13-year-old Jeez, or 14-year-old. Yeah, yeah. And then they come back, and they'll tell the shaman about their vision, and from that experience, that's, they'll get a new name. They're renamed. And they have a new life. Wow. And you're, you're, the life of the child is totally distinct from the life of the adult. The wow. boy, There's your boy's life with the boy's name, the boy's identity, but you come back, now you're a man, now you're a warrior, yeah. now you're a different person, different name, Geronimo, the great Apache yeah, warrior, yeah, yeah. you know, the fierce, his uh, boyhood name was Fat Boy. You're joking.
4: <laughs> You're fucking kidding me.
1: No. Wow. He was a little fat boy. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's this transformative opportunity yeah. in these societies that we don't really give kids no. it's like oh well, you graduated now you're grown up like no, what not big you, you in, wear a yeah. silly hat that yeah. You're not, yeah
4: exactly it's it's got to be something organic yeah. yeah and there's no opportunity to not only reinvent but i don't know what the right term is like almost resurrect mm. you know what i mean it's just like whatever stupid idea i had when i was 18 of getting this thing and then i was and then that's it that's who you are yeah. and wow. you can't you can't die and come back to life you know yeah. and you know that's like
1: yeah. But it's like what we were saying about socialism, I, I feel like there are these innate yearnings that we have. You know, and one of Good. them is like is to have a to mark a separation between childhood, yeah. you know, and and adulthood. And I feel like there there's a there's a moment in in our development that when you become an adult, you become who you are. Yeah. And, you know, and again, returning to the American Indian thing, they call it the closing of the hoop. So the idea is that when you're born, you're like this little thread. And the thread, as you grow, it sort of uh, extends and, mm. and turns into an arc. And then it starts closing. And then at a certain point, the two ends come together and it becomes a circle. Right. And that's the moment at which the girl becomes a woman and the boy becomes the man. Right. And then the circle just expands the rest of your life. Wow! Right, but now you're closed, and when the hoop is closed, no one can hurt you, because you're you're not you're not vulnerable anymore. When the hoop is open, mm. someone can tell you you're ugly, or you're stupid, or you're this, but or you're at that, that point, and it gets into you.
4: You know who you are.
1: Once it's closed, you know Imper- who you are. Yeah, impermeable. Right, and wow. so then you're you can or the Japanese say you know at a certain age we each become responsible for our face. It's like, you know, you can't blame your parents. You can't blame bad luck. Now it's you. Now it's your life. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah.
4: That is an incredibly fucking potent visual.
1: Yeah. In terms, you know,
4: I mean, yeah.
1: So, OK, so you had this moment and, and yeah, I got to go to the airport in half an hour. Yeah. So oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to so, fast forward for right. the rest <laughs> yeah. of your life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I told I told Melissa and that was that was so she's cool. She's like, this is you. Yeah. And this is something else. I think, you know, a lot of people listen to this podcast are young men. And I think a lot of them are afraid to make a move like this. Whether it's quitting a job or you yeah. know being whatever it is, being honest. Yeah, I think a lot of them are intimidated because they're they're thinking about what their girlfriend's going to think or what Definitely. their wife is going to think. And I think we men underestimate women. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and we we th- we're worried about like what they're going to think about money, you know, our dicks, like how we do this, <laughs> how we do that, yeah. and what. Uh, <sighs> I mean, I can't speak for all women, but the women who've been in my life who are meaningful people, without exception, what they value the most is sincerity. Yes. Be real. Everything else is secondary. Yes. You're into like getting fucked in the ass with a dildo. If you're real, tell your girlfriend she'll probably do it. Yes. She'll strap one on, you know, and you guys will both be happy. Yes. You're worried. About not being honest with her because of what she's going to think about your secret, where really the fact that you have a secret it's is the what's problem. Yeah. the problem Absolutely. exactly. Yeah,
4: and I know, like it's funny because our our thing, you know, the way we Melissa and I would describe that is like just hearing the harmony, like he, just knowing that that's true and hitting the bell, and it's like it's perfectly. It's true. It's you know, and that's yeah. I mean, I agree. Right. Whatever it is, if it's true, yes, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can work. We can work it out. Yeah. And I don't know. You know, I don't know what would have happened. You know, there's no, there's no tangent in reality in which that doesn't. You know, Melissa's not. She's just that type of girl. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, she's always like that. She's always been like that. Yeah. Um. But you know, if I was with somebody else and say that they would have rejected that, to me that was such a profound i mean seriously man that was like resurrection like i i wasn't changing careers i was going to go on an adventure to find out who the fuck aj was right again right you know and this fucking dreamy kid that like you know like i I, you know i was somebody and i lost the somebody-ness in somebody else's world you know um and i don't know i mean i think that 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 actually would say something if if you
1: know right well that's the other thing if she does reject you because of it you're better off you know move yeah. on move yeah. on till you find the woman who doesn't Definitely. or the man who doesn't or the yes. friends who don't or Absolutely. whatever the job that uh, whatever yeah. i mean you're better off being yourself Definitely. whatever the fucking consequences Absolutely
4: are. Man. Yeah. and and it's not just women right? like the, the every single person in my life at that point thought i was crazy Yeah Right? Everybody. Mom. I mean, everybody thought I was fucking listening. Except Melissa. Yeah. You know, everybody's like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Go back. You know, you've ruined your life. Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I mean, if you live your life at the behest of other people's opinion of it, Mm. If I had three lives, I might live one like their way and then like see how it goes, you yeah, know? You know right. It's like, you got three of them, might as well try. You know, maybe, maybe it's right. right? Maybe it'd be happy on a fucking yacht somewhere when I'm 67 in the Caribbean. I don't know, maybe it's really great to lay, drink Mai Tais in a fucking Carnival Cruise Line. I, you know, I'm the one, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. like, the, yeah. the, I only got this one. Yeah. And it's mine. Gotta, and, gotta follow my map, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it, man, you know? So anyways, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that was a pretty... So, you're homeless now. Um yeah, I mean I'm fucked at this point. Yeah. I mean financially. I <laughs> um at that point, yeah. That I mean point. and yeah. I yeah. you know, I mean we basically what we did then we went on this honeymoon, which at that point was hilarious because we were broke, but on this very elaborate honeymoon that a rich New York banker had paid for. I mean, uh, she still got it was this already paid. wedding ring that's like this 14000 I mean, it's just stupid, yeah. right? Why would, like, I look back and like, what are you doing? Who yeah. cares, yeah. you know? Yeah. So embarrassing. But it's like this thing that we laugh at now. Like, yeah. well, if it all goes tits up, we, the, we got the ring. This is the one yeah. asset, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, we just, um, on our honeymoon, obviously, it was so momentous because there were lots of, you know, there were conversations about like, well, how do we, what's the new canvas of our lives? How do we paint this out? And I took to writing a lot personally, not to publishing, but to writing, you Mm -hmm. know, and and just to try to excavate my thoughts, you know, work it out, everything. Like, what do I think? Who am I? You know, and in writing, you know, how like in writing, sometimes you just, especially if it's not for publishing, when you're not, it's it's a reflection. It's the only way you can put up a mirror. It's like putting up a mirror and being able to see your face and do your hair, you know? Writing yeah. out your thoughts.
1: Someone said, I remember who it is. Some famous writer said, I write to learn. I write to find out what I think. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and these are the things that like, I wish I would have grown learning, you know, yeah. or heard that growing up, but yeah. I did, I just did it so because I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't know, man, I got to, you know, like, yeah. I got to talk to me, but it's kind of weird to just sit there and talk to me. And, right. You know what I mean? To myself, I'm somebody might arrest me think I'm fucking, you know, out of my mind. So I just started writing. And basically what I was trying to get down is what, I mean, It was a, I, there was a lot of few, there, there was quite a few things I was trying to excavate. One of which is like, well, what do you want your life to look like in two years? Hmm. You know, like, because that's a practical, at least it's like, well, it's not 50 years, right? Or, and it's not six months. It's, it's far enough, the distance is far enough away from the current kind of situation that you're in to say like, wow, well, at least I could go that way and see how it goes, hmm. you know? So so you know jotted down a lot of th- things and you know we obviously we wanted to you know I wanted to work with Melissa I wanted her you know I wanted that inevitably mm-hmm. to be a thing mm-hmm. and so did she and we wanted to travel and we wanted to be free and you know there's plenty of things we wrote on this list and um, and I you know I were I I had written and then we And kind this of is uh, 2008.
1: 2008 okay yeah, early January 2008 just before the big crisis Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice uh, timing.
4: Yeah, no, I got out right before that you fucking... You rat off the ship. I know. <laughs> I know. I saw it coming up. You know? Yeah. And uh, and now, you know, and so from then on, basically, the way that it worked out in, in, in uh, practicality was that we couldn't afford our New York apartment at that point, mm-hmm. but... I'm a New Yorker. I'm not letting go of my fucking apartment. And this thing called Airbnb came up. So we started running our apartment like uh-huh. a fucking hostel.
1: You had a mortgage. You. you it was the rent. You, renting, renting. Oh, you're renting. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
4: Um But we had three bedroom. I mean, in Manhattan, which was, you know, and then we we rent rented it out like a hostel and right. kind of like lived in the family room. And, right. You know, mm-hmm. For a little while, while we we're figuring things out and basically decided, okay, why don't we get rid of all of our shit that we don't want? Because I had, dude, I had two storage units worth of shit. I mean... <laughs> You know, it was crazy. Two yeah. storage units full yeah. of shit. I don't even know what the fuck was in there. Yeah. And I told her, she's like, Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, like, what do we do with the stuff? And I'm like, Let's just not even pay. Like, let's just get, like, tell them you throw it away. Yeah. Don't even, let's not even go back. Because if you go back, right. then you're going to be like, Oh, in this thing, and then right. oh, all in the thing. And it's like, I didn't want that baggage yeah. anymore. So we just didn't. They're really like, Oh yeah. It's
1: I've had a storage unit too and I tried to talk to my wife about that. Like yeah. I was like, what's in it? You know, because we haven't been there for two years. So right. what's in it? Yeah. You tell me. Yeah. she's like, well, I don't know. I was like, Well, I don't know either. So why are we going what? back? Yeah. If we don't even know what's in there, exactly. obviously we're not missing yeah, it. Yeah, exactly.
4: Know? And it's so liberating. I mean yeah. the tyranny of stuff is yeah. something that is not talked about. I mean, our friends and minimalists, you know, do yeah. talk about that a yeah. lot, but that there is that is tyrannical, you know. That yeah. it's something that it does weigh heavy on you. So we got rid of all our stuff. Just did not pay these storage units. We're like, we're, you know, you guys, you guys get rid of the shit. Um, they got rid of all of my shit for me, basically, because I didn't go back to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Got rid of everything. Kept what we could keep in our backpacker bags, which is still the bag that I travel with today. And we took the to the road. And I taught myself web design at the time. This is early 2008, so. I mean, the iPhone had just come out. Facebook was just, you know, people didn't have websites, little cafes and the sites, you know, they wouldn't even have a website. So I, at that time, while I was figuring out like, okay, well, what do we want to do or what I want to do with my life? And I didn't know what, but I know enough about history that I was like, I was trying to think of, um, you know, the early builders that, that, uh. That came to New York, the industrialists, and like, what, what did, they, how did they gain like the power to be able to do the stuff that they want? They could build buildings, right? People that b- can build buildings can end up enacting. If you and I could build a building, have the money to do it, every, we might we could build an orphanage here or a hotel over there, whatever, right? I'm never gonna fucking have that. Like, that's not gonna, that's not in the cards. But in that world, in the web, I was like, I didn't know anything about the internet. I was in finance, real estate finance, so like, I was way away from technology. Mm. But I just thought to myself, it seems like if I can figure out a way between me and Melissa, you know, figure out a way to build like websites and these things called web apps and stuff back in 2008, then if I have an idea, I have the power then to enact the idea. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't have mm-hmm. to go to somebody. Cause if you don't have at that point, even then, like if you don't have a web like today, like yeah. if you don't have a web presence, if you don't then you can't do the things you want to do. Right. So the more kind of you it understand It
1: is kinda like real estate. It's it's de- virtual real estate. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're building a structure totally. for an idea. But I was yeah. like,
4: the fuck, but the barrier to entry in this thing is zero. Yeah. All I got to do is go to fucking read a few books. I'll teach myself fucking web design. I was always an artistic kid doing illustration. I'll figure this shit out, you know. Mm. Tried to figure out how to put the illustrations in the light box called my laptop. And then we figured it out. So Melissa taught herself WordPress. And I taught myself Mm. web design. Mm. And we cobbled together websites. And it wasn't for money. Because we weren't good enough and people weren't paying back then for that shit. We just traveled around the world by trading web design for bagels and places to sleep. You know? And that was it. Like, because I was trying to obviate cost. You're bartering. I was bartering. Yeah. The yeah. coincidence of wants. They, you know, they right. call it economically. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's it's, it's barter and, and you have something I want and I have something you need. And then we just come to the table and no cash is exchanged. Right. And at that time, what did I need? Food and somewhere to sleep. That was it. Right. And a good adventure. But that, like, that's free. So you, you know? guys
1: are fucking pilgrims going around the world doing your, your web shit. Yeah. And, uh, no, we haven't even talked about Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. which you know, people, you've quoted Shakespeare a few times yeah. in the last hour I or love so. Yes. I mean, there's so much stuff we're not going to have a chance to cover in this, and maybe we can do. You know, we can follow up with another one yeah, someday love down to, the road. I'd love to. Um, but th- just briefly, like, what's your? Because you, you've you've described yourself as like this sort of not literary, you know, not uh, educated in that yeah. area, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But Shakespeare is a really important part of yeah. your life, right? Well,
4: I had so so there was this one moment from when my dad died from 1460. I was a little, uh, I was a real like rebel, like punk, and you know, really angry and stuff. And and then I had this one moment where I was. In the, in the gym shooting baskets and I thought I was like you know some you think you're big shit right I'm the, I'm the big guy in camp in 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 the, in the currency of uh of uh, the currency of, of kids high schoolers is how good you are at sports right yeah doesn't matter how much money you have just matters whether you're the top basketball player football player whatever right that's so I had kind of lived that life and I was like a like a you know one of the basketball kind of thought that was my entire existence and I was in the gym and I was like I was uh shooting baskets and this one teacher I had and this is the one guy that still to this day I love him uh and really changed the trajectory of my life I was sitting there and I'm shooting back. he was he was a 21 year old um or like a substitute so he was he wasn't even but he was starting you know he he was into theater and stuff like that mm. he was a rough guy himself his dad had died early and he was kind of like this teacher that you didn't know if he was going to kick the shit out of you you mm. know and uh And he saw me shooting in the gym and he's like, and he, and he comes up to me and he and I had had a couple of altercations and he said, you know, I know you think you're big shit because you can put a nine inch ball in an 18 inch hoop, but about 10 years from now when you're working at Walmart, that's not going to fucking matter anymore. And I was like, I mean, nobody talked to me like that. And I was like, you know, and I was an asshole to him, to everybody, you know? So probably deserved that type, but no one and 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 was he saying that to he he was saying that i was being what was his motivation i was being a little boy well so so his motivation came to the fore later on and this is fucking fantastic so he comes up to me and he's wagging this book in my face and he's like i i bet you know basically he said i bet you don't have the balls to walk on a fucking
1: stage so this was part of yeah pulling you into this.
4: Totally. And what I found, and then, and, and then he threw the book in my fucking face, He, which was Henry V, which is my favorite play today, and The Misfit, that little emblem, uh-huh. is a Japanese anime rendition of Henry V at the Battle of Agincourt. Right. It's very, okay, right, and that was right. a moment where, because I, I was going off the rails. So yeah. when, like off, the, off not just, because I, I, high school I was still an asshole, and I, was, I wasn't like, I wasn't an asshole, but I wasn't good at school, I wasn't all that, but I was gonna go, I was gonna be a bad kid, possibly. And this moment, you know, he's sitting here and he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I bet you don't have the fucking balls to get on stage." And he throws this fucking thing in my face, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" And I'm like, "Got the book," and I'm like. Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? What a bunch of fucking girls on a fucking stage. You think I can't talk, talk about fuck I'll do it. <laughs> you know? Because he was he was a really rough teacher, so he yeah. was, it wasn't like a thespian coming up to you. <laughs> He's like, You're such a fucking pussy. A Look at you. You can't fucking sit here you know, like you think you're big uh, shit. Yeah. You do that. The thousand yeah. fucking people watching you talking about talking some other language, yeah. you literate fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, uh, fuck you. Yeah. And and then I did it. And yeah. I ended up I, I ended up and what I found out was there were no theater kids you know mm-hmm. so because he was starting this thing and he loved shakespeare so he was basically going around school typecasting people that he thought would be good for the roles that he wanted wow. you know and one of these people was flew who is a who's a general really rough welsh cat in mm-hmm. henry the fifth shakespeare's henry the fifth who was the welshman and very close to henry the you know the the, the king of england at the time and and fought in the Battle of Agincourt and, and like a warrior, but a rough cat, just you know, just like me, you know, right. can't really talk, you know, talks right. like he's gritty and fucking not articulate, <laughs> and just some piece of shit that thinks no he's tougher shit. than he
1: this is great, Dude. Again, so cinematic. Yeah, Holy it was fuck. amazing.
4: It was amazing. And that that was. There are many times from that moment on that Shakespeare. But like I said, I have never been. The first time I was in a theater, I was on the stage. So you read that play and
1: and it spoke
4: to you. It cha- it changed my entire life. You got it, man. even
1: though it's this old English and, oh my and gosh, fancy man. and strange yeah. and. Yeah. But you heard it.
4: Oh, th- I mean, because it's it's the words that. When, when, when Henry's surrounded by, you know, the, the imperial French troops, outnumbered five to one, and then he comes and stands on a log in front, in front of his men that are going to, like, certain defeat. This is his
1: famous speech. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For right. he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England, now abed, will think themselves accursed they were not here.
3: Right.
4: And hold their manhoods cheap whilst any speaks. Yeah. who fought with us upon St. Christian. I mean, who the fuck writes like that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm just a rough... So I'm not a literary, I'm not a thespian. you know, I'm watching it like raw. Right. And I'm just like, God, this fucker's badass. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, because that's what, you, you know, that's what you want if you're surrounded by... And that spoke to me. And then... Yeah. You know, that really changed, I wasn't, I didn't become like a literary guy, but Shakespeare itself, I, you know, I got into other plays, and, you know, and then I, you know, we read, I read Julius Caesar, and, um, you know, cowards die many times before the death, but the valley only tastes death but once. Yeah. Who the fuck writes like that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And now, you know, and then in thinking the clouds me thought would break open with riches to shine down upon me that when I waked, I cried to dream again. Yeah. tempest who the fuck it those were things that yeah. to me they were um it wasn't like oh that's good theater it they just would like the language is so rich oh, man, yeah and you yeah. sage wisdom and like ways of thinking that yeah. you just and it was delivered i guess the the, the the it was such a contrast to everything that I had ever been or known hmm. that it really penetrate when it got in it gets in deep
1: you know and also I imagine there must have been an excitement in you at at like something in you very deep is resonating with this like recognized genius.
4: Yes. So something in you is like, fuck, I'm, I am smart. That's it. That's it. You're right. You're right. Because the moment that I was like, wait a second, I get this. I hear the people talking like they don't get it, but I get it. Yeah. Fuck. Maybe I'm not a fucking idiot. Yeah. You know what I mean? If this is, this is, you know, the Shakespeare's the Michael Jordan of literature, right? If you right. fuck, if you can get that shit, then yeah. you're, and that really started to change a little bit, of the, and I was still me, you know. So I was still right. like, well, fuck all these guys, but, but that, that was a little salvation for me, right? You know, and I would sit there before basketball games reading my fucking Julius, C, just because it made me feel good to be connected to something that I considered higher, exactly. You know, something yeah. of virtue, something of beauty, yeah, that I got, you know, yeah. and. And so, so that, you know, I ended up being in a, in a few of his plays and he was a great man. And then after um, I actually left university, which is crazy for me because I was so driven to um, pro- produce Shakespeare. So, I mean, me and, Jesse, me and uh, Melissa, excuse me, produced Shakespeare at a young age and found spaces in, 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 like, empty warehouse bays. And we'd invite, like, I mean, it was, like, basically free. You know, we'd invite uh, local, like, prisons because they would do, you know, they would do... Um, outreach programs where the prisoners right. could leave and we'd do you know, people that just had because I was like, I want to give this to people who have no access to this shit. Yeah. Because I didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't grow up with theater. Right.
1: And you saw the transformative power of it.
4: Totally, man. Yeah. And then that yeah. leads you into Ibsen and then you're reading an enemy of right. people and then it leads you into Wild and you're reading Ideal House. You know, and then you're in this world that you're like fuck this is this is awesome man why didn't tell why (laughs) didn't somebody tell me about this shit you know and I was I wasn't doing it right I was just doing it the way that I knew so I you know I produced it like not in Victorian or Elizabethan I mean the 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 language I kept because I believe in the language right but I'd splice it up and all that. And then it was modern dress and like, and right. it was fun. And I, at that time I was like, I'm going to do theater and this is the way I'm going to, I'm going to change the world. So mm. I was, you know, and I, re- there, so there's the, those moments that I tell you, like I kind of got away from it. Right. Uh, I kind of got sucked back. And in. then I get sucked back in. Right. So that was right. right towards the end. So my last university, like there was a moment where I'm like, I had the deal price Cooper's and I had my theater and I went bankrupt doing theater because I couldn't make it happen. Yeah. And I lost, I lost everything, and then it was like, well, I felt like like an idiot. You know, yeah. you just felt like, well, you can't make it happen, man. You know, like that's, you know. You tried
1: it, didn't work. You tried it, you know, yeah. you
4: rolled the dice, you fucking tried it, it didn't work. You're now $15,000 in credit card debt paying all those fucking lights and all this shit that you were trying to. And you can't change the world like this, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And then I was like, well probably you can't change the world at all, hmm. you know? Yeah. But Shakespeare always stuck with me. There was, there's plenty of moments where the only thing that would keep me a fucking live when I was in finance was going out, getting fucking lunch, sitting in a fucking park or like in Battery Park yeah. and just reading my Shakespeare. Cause it would bring hmm. me back to a time when I believed in something, man. Right. You know? Um, the other thing for people
1: who are listening to this, who haven't read any Shakespeare and, and I have to admit it's been a decade or two since I've read any Shakespeare, but the other beautiful thing: uh, pick any play, basically, and you'll be like every couple of pages, you'll come upon a phrase, and it'll be like, "Oh, that's where that that's comes it. from!" That, yeah, <laughs> like I'd never thought yeah. about that. Yeah. It's just Shakespeare is littered through the English language. It's everywhere. In contemporary.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. Mean, Quotes, words, you know, yeah. he, he made, famously made up, I don't know how many words, like 10,000, you know, he made up all these. And know, a
1: lot of them are still in use it? today. It's yeah. the genius of, of, it's just so lasting and timeless. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, before uh, we have to run, Jesse's coming back yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. the airport. going to be like, I, I don't want to get caught. Um But let's just run through, like, you know, where you are now, because uh, you've got a book that was a collection of some of the essays that I guess you were sort of writing in those days, right? Trying to
4: figure out what the fuck was going on. Yeah, yeah. And I kept them. I kept them in a Moleskine. I was just writing letters to a younger version myself, you know? You ever
1: read Letters to a Young Poet?
4: Rilke? No. No.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the same idea? Well, it's it it really is letters to a young man. Uh, It's not to a younger self, but it is to Um, his younger self in a way. You know, it's. And it's about like how to live life and what to do and wow and okay. you know I remember one of the things he says is like always do the difficult thing right you know the hard the, road and the right road yeah the same road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly anyway so so you you um, yeah ended I mean, up collecting some of these thoughts yeah
4: I collected the thoughts I kept I kept them in a they were for me never intended on pu- publishing them I was just I mean at that time why how the fuck was I gonna publish you know yeah, yeah I wasn't even thinking that I was just trying to. It basically it's like you say you know you write to learn what you think mm-hmm. and in that it was very cathartic because i sort of realized like no no, this these are my ideas like this is what i believe and i started creating a life very deliberately around that and once we started doing all these barter deals you know this web these web barter deals i realized you know you do something a hundred times you get good at it you do it a thousand you get really good at it so we were do, we we're doing so many of these things for free for you know trading this trading that whatever and we got really good, and this is 2008, no one knew how to do that shit. Right. So then at that point I was like, well, fuck, maybe we can do this for money. And maybe, just maybe, we can. I, could, I had this vision of building a creative agency. It was fucking nuts at the time, but like, a, dig, a creative agency that focused on digital, which wasn't a thing back then, and we could build like world-class campaigns and visual assets and websites and apps and everything. But we would redistribute all the profits to either social, cultural, humanitarian work around the world or to fund another business that can do the same. Mm. Nuts, right? Yeah. Everybody thought I mean like no I wouldn't even share it with anyone because they thought I was out. My people were with me. Moses was with me. And by that point we had Dino, who's like a good friend of mine, who would join for again fucking peanuts, right? I mean mm. he was like they weren't in it for the money. We were like, right. we we're all eating cats together. Right. Jesse too. Jesse you know, I mean, yeah. first five, we're eating cats together. But that was the idea. Uh, fast forward we weren't really eating cats no, no, for we people weren't who love yeah. cats <laughs> yeah. that's
1: probably a Cuban expression yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I always say I hunted t- cats and Tompkins who are part for lunch because those. <laughs> yeah. you know no we, yeah. were, we were we were just really we were in it to change the world it was a yeah. crazy experiment yeah. to see like could we do this sustainably and we ended up um, any time the, the deal was when we would make a little bit of profit you know and by that I mean like $1,500 $2,000 Melissa and I would take that and then we would, because we were meeting all types of cool people on the road, as you do, you know, and we would meet people that were working in Sub-Saharan Africa that were maybe out for fundraising thing, whatever, and we would partner with them to basically fly out and do pro bono campaigns that would connect in real time the beneficiary with the donors. Right. So we would create these campaigns. One of them famously was Twitter Kids where we, in Tanzania, where Melissa created a social media centric cur- curriculum for for all these kids to get on Twitter and a cultural exchange program with bloggers back in the United States. Got a lot of attention, raised $35,000 in a short period of time for this new edifice that they needed. And it was amazing, because we're like, fuck, we're the miss, we're nobody. And we right. can change the world, you know what I mean? Right. We, I, I had $2,000 in my bank account. I just spent the last of it to fly out to Tanzania, right. do this project, go back. Right. And then you're starting from scratch financially, but I'm living the life that I want. Right. In the vision that I want. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to me, I was happy as fuck. If we were sleeping in a car or whatever, because I knew that we, these things were, were happening. The, the, the thing was, you know, at some point it was like, can that happen at scale? You know, because I collected, I collected pieces of my, my crew now. We're like family. We're a little socialist commune of a business. I always yeah. call this a socialist enterprise to right. juxtapose the social enterprise. Right. You know, this is not like we give some of the profits to whatever the fuck. I mean, this is, the whole deal is for itself. I want to die penniless. I don't want a fucking yacht. You know, I don't want a big house. I don't want, like, it's not about me as the founder. I'm right. just the guy doing it. Right. I'm the guy, I'm to your example, I'm the guy in the tribe. And that guy has to give more in order to be, you know, because everybody right. else got knives too. Right, right. right. So we ended up, um, I, that, was, that was the vision, and one thing led to another, and we ended up starting to work with, as we met more and more people, people would see the campaigns that we were doing. And these campaigns were raising, you know, $50,000 a weekend or whatever. Right. Another One was a million bucks. And like, people were like, who the fuck are these kids? Right. They're flying out to fucking Africa using their fucking cell phones to connect villagers with people on the other side. And meanwhile, you're getting better and better at it. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And we had one experience where it was a senior vice president at Citrix Online. Met him at a conference in Boston because we were just... And, and he didn't know... We were, me and us were at the conference because one of our homies was like, you know, working the conference. He like was a leader in it. So he could let us in for free. But we were sleeping in a car in the parking lot so we met people go hang out and they're like oh where's your hotel and we're like oh no yeah it's the holiday yeah. we had this whole story taking homeless showers in the starbucks in the morning you know what i mean and i met david beza who's one of my best friends today and he's a senior vp at citrix and he just sat there and he's like what you guys hold on let me get this straight you guys create campaigns like that that much buzz around the web you get that much attention and your budget is zero like you have nothing and i'm like no we, we just do it off our own you know i mean just, it's our own i mean i pay my people you know yeah. But like yeah we're eating into our own stuff to do it you know yeah. he was blown away by this about the creativity and all that and he's like man i can't even imagine what you guys would do if you had proper budgets to right. build this stuff and he gave us our first legitimate gig him and yeah. lisa horner at, at, mm-hmm. at citrix you know and that validated us right. i mean there are times like I don't. I don't seek. I wasn't seeking validation in that world. But yeah. that when you're working with one of the biggest companies in the world, technology mm. companies in the world, people start taking you a little more seriously. You're right. not just the fucking right. vagabond misfits that do a lot of creative stuff. Right. And that thing. Yeah, that led to another. And today, Misfit, our agency, Studio Misfit, is a, a worldwide, you know, multinational agency. We have clients in San Francisco, and L.A., and New York. Melissa runs it. Uh, we've got 25. Because Dino is Filipino, so and he's one of my best homies so we wanted to build a team around him. We've got 25 employees in the Southern Philippine, in, in de Oro, right. in a great right. office right. And, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of love there. Yeah. And, and then that, we, we basically, that to me was an economic engine, nothing more. It wasn't right. that, I wasn't thinking like, okay, I'm going to make mine then I'm going to sell the agency to Edelman, right? Because right. that's what you do. That's right. what you're, I, at no point am I entranced by fame or wealth. Right. None. I have no, because I already did that thing and fucking mm. hated it, still right. hate it, you yeah. know? but I was going to use this economic, That's the yeah. value. I mean, it's tempting
1: to look at that time of your life as a mistake, but it isn't because yeah. you've yeah. been there. You did climb that mountain totally. and you found there, there's nothing at the top of that's it. That's it. And until you've been to the top, you don't really believe Absolutely,
4: that. Absolutely, man. And that's yeah. why I don't regret it. Yeah. You know, in, in, in the, 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 you know, I, that time, I mean, now I look at my life like a novel and I look at myself and a protagonist in a grand adventure. Mm. And if you don't have moments like that, where everything is destroyed and you rise up from the ashes, like the fucking Phoenix, right. then no one's reading the goddamn book. Right. The yeah. page turning is when Frodo's lost in fucking Mordor and you don't right. know what the fuck's right. gonna happen, you know? Right. Fucking yeah. Ring race, and that was my moment, so yeah. I don't regret it. That that's what made th- those textures make my life interesting and also give me the, the gave me the wisdom to change. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean, we built that this company, and then from that we parlayed. You know, now Misfit Press is, you, you know, and I think you've talked about in the part. Jess and I were talking and we were like, man, you know, we really think, not that things are broken in the publishing industry, but like we could do some cool stuff out here. We got a lot of friends that are doing good stuff. They're not, they're never gonna, and they're not really pretty books and they don't really have great relationships. You know, you hear this all around. Right. Like we can do this differently, you know? So, so we did, We from the profits of one, we launched that. Every time we sell a book at Misfit, at Misfit Press, a kid in India gets a pair of glasses through a relationship. That's one of our friends, the CEO of Shankara Eye Foundation, and we set this thing up with him, and then we, you know? Mm. So that's like another sustainable... And then from that, we started another technology company, which is Misfit Themes, which we just launched, yeah. WordPress Themes. Every time somebody buys a theme, we fund the cataract surgery of somebody who's gone blind in, in Northern India, and this is, again, with a partnership. And that's the way we look at business, Right. you know? We make it sustainable enough so that we, you know, and then also we can go to, to our friends. If we meet somebody that's doing something cool out there in the world, I can look at that. And we've done this hundreds of fucking I couldn't even retell all the stories of people. We just meet some, I just met some cat in Guatemala. And right now, I already told the boys, like we're gonna build them a website, we're gonna help them with the campaign, we're gonna do the whole thing. Yeah. Because I'm like the industrialist now, right? Because I, we can build shit. Right. We're, yeah. not, we're not powerless. Right. You know what I mean? I stole back the power from those pieces of shit, yeah. you know? And that's, that's when I feel like yeah. we were talking about last night. Yeah. I feel like I'm across enemy lines. Yeah. Because I studied at their schools. Yeah. I know the game. You know? I, oh, make money? Oh, I can make money. Make money is not a problem for me. I just don't want to keep it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just want to spread it around and change the fucking world. So yeah. for me at this point, and it is a, a continuum because it wasn't that a begin, in the beginning, we were just nomads trying to like crazies, you know, hopping in Tanzania and Kenya and South Sudan or whatever just to help people. Now these are legitimate companies. 35 people work for the different collection of Misfit companies and I've got 12 core that are like family that right. are, they're the tribe. They're right. the people that like, we're in that we share everything. Like right. we're all equal and you yeah. know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
4: Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, Implicit Leadership, you know, all that type of shit. Yeah. And that's, what, that's what's happened today, and the kind of message that of, of Misfit as an enterprise is, why can't we take the keys back? You know what I mean? Because it's greed, that it's, it's, the, it's the greed that we inherit that makes us, that forces us to say like, well, but you're starting a business, so you're supposed to make money. Like, but no, you're supposed to make it, if there's virtue in the business or the organization, then wouldn't there be virtue in just keeping it alive? Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you had profits, I tell Jesse, I don't want Ms. Press will never make a dime of profit for me. Yeah. And I'm the, only, I'm the owner, right? Right. So if there's profits at the end, I said, you plow that right back in.
1: Yeah.
4: You either find a cool humanitarian project in Vancouver we can get back to, like, you know, soccer league or put, or put it into the product to make it more beautiful because that mm. business, you know, the agency, I need that to pump out cash in order to fund all these other things. But this, the virtue of this is artistic. This is a creative expression. Right. I'm just leveraging free market capitalism to change the fucking world. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah you ever heard of a book called Finite and Infinite Games? No. Uh, it's by James Karse, who's a, a mathematician at NYU. It's a, very, it's a very thin little book, but he basically says all human relationships can be seen as games. And there are hmm. two types of games. There are finite games, which are on a particular playing field, field you know, they're yeah. in bounds, out of bounds. You've got uh, you're sort of struggling against each other, and there, there are points, and there are certain rules, and all this kind of stuff. And the, the point of the game is to win. Right. There's a winner and Zero a loser. Some game. That was yeah. Like, yeah. I know. And then there are infinite games that there's no field of play. There's no inbounds and out of bounds. That's it. It's free flowing. You can switch sides at any time. Yes. There's all this. Stuff. And the point of the game is to keep playing. Yes. Right? That's it. And he says, so many mistakes, so many problems in life come from confusing those two sorts of games. Oh, my God. How many relationships are fucked up because they're viewed as a finite game? Absolutely. I'm right. I want to win. I'm right. It's a binary. Dude, no. It's not about being right. It's about keeping the game going, right? You know, it's keeping the friendship alive or the... Oh, man. man. Yeah. It's a really beautiful little book. It's. I'm going to,
4: like, all these suggestions... It's funny how I love hanging out with you because you think differently than me and you have all a lot of academic re- re- yes. references
1: but it's the same idea it's the same idea yeah, but I'm yeah. just
4: sitting here like this crazy guy from New York saying crazy things and then you say and that brings it like breathes life into it yeah. and, and, and frames it and you know I, I was sitting at a conference a month and a half ago speaking at a conference in fucking Arkansas and I had this kid come up to me because I tell him this story and everybody's like oh that's so cool and blah blah and, and he's like yeah but like what about you know successful like when did you when did was the turning point of you becoming successful? And I was like, Yeah, but define success. Yeah. He's like, Oh yeah, but you guys were living in cars and you were doing that. So like, when did it? And I'm like, Homie, I was happy as a fucking pig in shit. Right. Sleeping in those cars. Right. Don't you dare think that yeah. me and Melissa and my, you know, when we were all poor, no, we were happy.
0: Yeah.
4: We're happy now. We were happy then. Yeah. You know, and then I explained some of the businesses. I'm like, this business that I run, that I talked about, that you think is really fucking cool because you looked at Mr. Press, will never make a dime of profit. You tell me. I go back to my, my my friends in Wall Street. They tell me I'm a fucking failure. Yeah. You don't have a company with no fucking profit.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> right. You don't you don't do it to keep the game going. Yeah. Right. Because the winning is the, you know I mean it's it's clear free market economy. You know the, yeah. the you got to have profit at the end. It goes into the owner's pocket. I buy a fucking Tesla. Yeah. You know. But to keep the game going, like, that's the fucking thing. So some things, it's, yeah, you got to have a little profit to be able to invest in other things, but some are just virtuous in in, in and of themselves, right. and just keep the fucking game going. Right. You know? Yeah, it's the road, man. And that's, yeah, and that's what we're doing at Misfit. So yeah. those, are, you know, all of our, we just launched a film studio, we did our first short film called Confection, it was a British film, and just got accepted in the Cambridge Film Festival. Sweet. Yeah, in Manchester, yeah, and so we're doing, now we're getting into animated films, and and you're profiled in this minimalist film,
1: yeah. which I haven't seen yet, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's let's wrap this up because I don't want to miss my flight. We, we got, uh, and I, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to release this tomorrow.
4: Oh, yeah. All right, yeah, so well, this will go out oh, fresh yeah. unless
1: you want to, like, listen to it. And, no, like, yeah, no, right, I don't all right. care. Yeah. Um, all right, so people, you're hearing this fresh out of the oven. This this uh, this is recorded <laughs> Sunday. I'll get to L.A., I'll put it together, and it'll go up awesome. Monday.
4: Uh, Misfit. Just misfit dot. Yeah, misfit-inc.com. misfit dash com. Misfit Incorporated or AJ Leon. You just search, right. you'll find it. Okay, of stuff.
1: you're you're out. Yeah, I, I googled you earlier. You're all over the fucking place. Yeah, there's just stuff. The Cuban looking dude with the beard. Yeah, well, you didn't have a beard for a while. I saw some clean shaven yeah, shots. Yeah, that was of you. the
4: minimalist document. It's funny because uh, I was more hungover for that interview oh, than really? I was for this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, It's yeah. A good exactly. technique. You should, yeah, you should um,
1: get shit faced before all your interviews. You take, yeah, yeah, I'll stick with it all right thanks man thanks Just for having me on man yeah what did i tell you is aj a cool guy or what uh i'm gonna play you out with a song called uh lekela muadi i have no idea what that means the band is "Salamuana." t-s-s-h-a-l-a and then next word m-u-a-n-a muana it's from a Putumayo compilation that's called From Congo to Cuba. So uh, I don't know. I, I think they're more Congolese, but they're they're all sort of this sort of Latin. Either they're African bands doing Latin music or they're Cuban bands doing African music. Or it's a mixture of the both. It's a really nice compilation. Anyway, any music you hear on this podcast, I always put links on my website, chrisryanphd.com or com. Uh, Or you can also just Google tangentially speaking or tangentiallyspeaking.com. That takes you to the same place. All roads lead to the same place. And there you'll find links to everything uh, all the music and to uh, the websites and the various things related to the guests on the podcast. All right. So this is uh, Lekela Muadi by Tsana Muana. All right. I hope you're having a good time wherever you are. I'll catch you in about a week. kabuya you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Thank you to everybody who supports the podcast through patreon.com You can decide how much you want to give the podcast, a buck a month five bucks a month, ten bucks a month or you can get completely crazy and give twenty bucks a month or more or you can give nothing if you don't have any cash, don't worry about it, just enjoy the podcast and tell your friends. The other way you can support the podcast is if you buy shit through amazon.com or you know someone who does, please direct them through the link on my page chrisryanphd.com you click on that baby once bookmark the landing page on amazon and then eight to ten percent of whatever you spend will come to support the podcast at no extra cost to you or your loved ones thank you to basin and range for that opening music at the beginning of the podcast very funky little tune there uh called the bright side of the sun i believe you can find out more about them at basin and range if you want to talk about the podcast with 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 other listeners, a good place to do that is on Reddit. Just search "tangentially speaking" all one word. There's a community of a couple hundred people in there chatting about the episodes. I drop in occasionally and say hello, answer questions, whatever. Uh, Thanks to Shore Design T-shirts, our garage is full of them. My mom has them all organized as only she can. Julie, thank you to Julie, my mom. She'll send those T-shirts out to you if you order them. Everything we've got in stock is from Shore Design T-shirts in Thailand and you can check out their webpage as well for other designs. Thank you to Carsey Blanton. You can find out more about Carsey Blanton at carseyblanton.com, carsieblanto n.com. She wrote and performed the song you're about to hear which is called Smoke Alarm and it's a reminder to carpe fucking diem while you still can because ladies and gentlemen, you're going to die one day. Here's to you,
5: Bennett. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. For a headstone, I don't wanna give the end away. But we're gonna die one day. We're gonna die one day. We're gonna die one day. Die one day. So, baby, what's a big deal? If you wanna be free, say what you wanna feel. And spend the night with me gonna take you up in my arms and if we must go down we'll go singing to the smoke alarms we'll dance into the ground